Blog Talk Radio. Of course, that's going to be Eugene Benton. I'm Rich Yellman. We're not going to waste any time as we're going to bring you right now our guest to start off the show. And that's Kevin Villadu. Kevin, what's up, bud? How's it going, boys? Another beautiful day. You're out and about, man, in this wonderful weather in Charleston. Oh, yeah, this is a blast. This is what we always enjoy. <laughs> I love it, man. It's glad to have you in here as always, man. Uh, so we, we had to to move some things around a little bit. We actually started the show 30 minutes later because we wanted to start the show with you. We wanted you to be the guy to kind of kick off uh, a Monday night because not only are we talking high school basketball, we're talking uh, some high school wrestling. We're going to talk some high school spring sports. It all kicked off here uh, today as well, right, Kevin? Well, that was the plan for, for most teams. I know a lot of teams, uh, like Somerville Baseball, uh, they had to push back a day. I know West Ashley Baseball pushed back a day. So the rain, you know, if, if it's not a pandemic, it's going to be the weather that's going to keep these guys from playing the teams like these days. Now, of course, we're live right now with Kevin Villadu, Live Fives, best in the business. Of course, the affiliate with CBS Sports, very busy man as he looks forward to covering not just Charleston, or we should say Berkeley, but also we'll talk about Dorchester County. Now, it was kind of weird, Kev, because we had heard all week long last week that Friday was the day. Well, then they were pushed back to Saturday, but that's okay. They practiced Saturday. Not sure if they were able to do anything on Sunday, but I do know that those three schools are actually practicing right now. The boys' varsity teams are right now. What's your feel on the season as it's going to be kind of a, a speed dating style for Dorchester County while Berkeley County seems like they're going to go par for the course and, and, and play each team at least twice. Well, that's the plan. And, you know, best laid plans as the saying goes, and it, it's already running into problems because I know uh, Wando, uh, they're quarantining for until next Saturday, I, I guess the, I think that's the 15th. So uh, they're going to be out of action for a couple of weeks because they had a, they had a positive test. So now, you know, they were supposed to play Berkeley tonight, so that's obviously not happening, and they were going to have games with Goose Creek coming up in the coming days. So uh, they're not really sure yet from what I've been told, you know, how they're going to make up these games uh, for the Warriors. So that's, 
that's going to be, you know, that was one of the problems we were going to run into with, with the, uh, with pushing everything back and, and the late restart was if, if this happened again, how are they going to get these games in before the playoffs? And now they've got some decisions to make. Yeah, Kev, you know, the thing that kind of shocked me, and I thought Commissioner Singleton did a pretty good job in the football season, but why we didn't mirror that for the basketball season? Why did we wait and, and play the region after the Christmas holidays when, let's be honest, these kids had no choice whether they were going to Grandma's house or not, being around a multiple amount of folks who they couldn't track where they were, and of course, who they were around. Had they had done this, right, early in the first four weeks when this season started, instead of playing that non-region conference they are region play if you will in high school basketball we, we probably be having a whole different conversation and it wouldn't be talking about cramming in the region we'd be talking about let's get the playoffs up and running as soon as the uh, the christmas break was up and done yeah and and that's a that's a fair point uh you know i i know a lot of the basketball coaches wanted to get in a couple of games here and there before they started region play and you know that, that's understandable why you know you don't want to go into the season just kind of you know, you know, having the most important games right up front, like we saw with football, but it worked for football, and I assume it would have worked for basketball as well. But even then, I don't know if they would have gotten a full region schedule in before, before the holiday season, and and everyone you know went on pause for a couple of weeks. So, you know, there's there's reasons for it and reasons against it. Sure. And again, I understand the coaches in basketball wanted to see their boys and girls, by the way, because the ladies play basketball as well around here. But you, sure. you, you saw it affect as well. The, you know, I'm sure the football coaches thought the same thing, but didn't have much of a choice. And again, we're, we're talking about something that's basically at this point, it's a mood point. You know, I just, it was just one of the things that was on mind as I'm watching this whole thing kind of unfold and, and how much, to be honest with you, you know, are basketball coaches kind of cringing when they see, you know, the wrestling uh, beginning to do their thing. Let's, let's be honest. I mean, you know, you've got some really great wrestling programs around the low crunch. You're one of the best is over at Somerville with Coach Tucker and what the Green Wave have done for so many years. And, uh, of course, uh, you know, he's poised to win possibly a state championship. So why shouldn't he get the chance? But yet COVID and, and, and wrestling seem to be kind of a dangerous mix, if you know what I mean. Yeah, that's one, that's one of the ones that worries me the most. There's just so much contact, you know, all over with that one. But then, you know, going back to basketball, I, I think one of the biggest differences between the football schedule is, you know, when you're looking at football, you know, at best those guys can play once a week, you know. You know, maybe every six, you know, with basketball, you can squeeze in three games in four days. So I'm sure that's what is going to end up happening for some teams. You know, maybe Wando is going to have to end up doing something like that to, to fit all their reaching games in. So a lot easier to, to squeeze in some basketball games than it is football. Yeah, definitely much as you, by the way, you know, I, I talked to Coach Capers, who, of course, is the head basketball coach over there, uh, of course, said, um, I'm looking right at him over there uh, with the Swamp Foxes, and, and, and you're seeing, even he said with me, over there at Ashley Ridge, said, you know, Rich, I'd love to come on tonight, man, but I got to be honest, man, we got a game on Thursday, we're playing, you know, Fort, Fort's probably the favorite to win in our region right now, we, we've got a good, uh, a good cram session we got to put in here, and that's what you're seeing, because even if you look at the schedule, I mean, because we had the, uh, of course, Fort Norchester head basketball coach McElveen joined us last week, man, and, and their schedule is brutal, man. I mean, it's a turn and burn type of deal here. Like I mentioned, speed dating, because these guys are basically are going to play their whole season in about two weeks. That's a big difference. But the question I got for you, and I know you know a guy named Andy Pruitt who you spend a lot of time with on sidelines and in the course of the studio over there at Channel 5. Of course, now he does stuff for Charleston County. But – 
last I had heard that those gentlemen and ladies have to wear a mask on the court. Is, is there any truth to that, or what do you know about the rules and regulations of Charleston County and the mask that they're going to or not have to wear? Well, as far as on the court, I think that's more of a school decision. I know the right. the county in their guidelines that they sent out once they announced that they were restarting the winter sports season, they said you have to wear you have to wear masks on the sidelines. So if you're sitting on the bench, you know you can't just be sitting there without a mask. So that that was the big thing they wanted to go. Now I did shoot a few games last week and I did see some kids playing with the mask on. So that's certainly an option if the kids want to do it. But I don't think in CCSE that's being forced for on-the-court action as of yet. Hanging out quickly, Kevin Billadu. He is live, five, and he's heading to a gym near you. I don't know uh, whether you're heading, like you had mentioned, I guess maybe you're <laughs> heading to, to Stratford, man. I mean, where's, where's that little uh, – where's that dart heading to right now, by the way? Yeah, it's going to be going to Stratford in just a minute, and then we're going to try to get to, over to First Baptist tonight for their senior night against Pinewood. Big stuff. I love it, man. Now, Skiza hasn't skipped a beat in any of their sports. It seems like they're just kind of full throttle yeah. doing their thing, and I, they've been safe. I don't know uh, I don't know if they're eating a lot of Chick-fil-A sandwiches or what over there, but it seems like something's covered <laughs> and smothered with the Skiza program. So, again, it's happening with, uh, with First Baptist and a few other great schools here. Again, we're very fortunate to have a lot of great Skiza basketball around the low country as well. That being said, Wednesday is going to be a big day. It's a national signing day, Kev. Uh, this is a different year. Yeah. Usually you guys are out and about covering some stuff, man. Uh, I do see Newberry. I don't know, man. Newberry must have uh, a, a ton of room because I'm seeing a ton of our kids getting offers and opportunities, <laughs> but I'm also seeing, you know, you're getting a few other big name schools and, and some of the other smaller schools taking advantage of, you know, other schools not having room like Erskine and things like that. But, but what are you expecting out of Wednesday? Normally we have a really big name coming out of the uh, low country, but just doesn't seem like it's a very uh, – it doesn't seem like it's going to happen this year because of the, the room in the larger colleges just isn't there. Well, there's that, and it's also just a much different setup than it was even, you know, five years ago with the, with the early signing period now because now, you know, most of your top recruits, they're signing in December, and they're going to campus, you know, getting on campus in January to, to start their clock, to start their, you know, uh, their eligibility to get that going as soon as they can. So a lot of the big names have kind of already come and gone. Uh, we're also, it's also going to be different this year because normally, you know, we see the two big counties, Charleston County and Berkeley County, they have, you know, one big ceremony where they get kids from every school to come out and sign their letters of intent. And, you know, the whole family comes out and it's a big event. Obviously this year with social distancing, that's not going to happen. So now it's up to every school to do their own thing this year. You know, it's interesting, Kev, because we talk a lot of football, but this is also a, a day for, for basketball and some of the other signees as well. I mean, you know, how hard it's got to be for these basketball coaches. I mean, you know, they're trying to coach a season. It's a smaller season. It's kind of a cram session, and yet they're trying to get their young kids, you know, taken to the next level. And while we're, we're talking about the next level, you know, I've seen the College of Charleston, man, they have definitely been hit pretty hard by the word that we don't use on this network, but they've been hit a few times that I can tell for sure. <laughs> You know, what, what is your take on college basketball with Charleston Southern, the Citadel, and, of course, the College of Charleston, and just the Gamecocks and the Tigers, of course, who, are, you know, are, are going in different directions? Yeah, I mean, college basketball is just such a mess this year. It's, it's just like nothing I've ever seen. And, you know, that's, you know we talk about the, the differences with football and basketball, and the good thing for basketball is they can kind of, you know, rebound, not, not to use the pun, but – they can, they can bounce back and, and schedule a game here and there and, and different games, and it's not 
as big of a deal as we saw what it, what it was with football. But, yeah, it's just crazy, man. It's the College of Charleston. They're scheduled to come off their pause tomorrow, and they should be good to go for games this weekend over at home. And, uh, you know, it's, just, it's going to be interesting to see how they can bounce back. You know, you take two weeks off, and, you know, now how, how are you going to respond when you've got to play a game after not picking up a ball for two weeks and you've got to play a game in three days? So I'm curious to see how they respond. Yeah, it should be an interesting. Let me ask you about the Clemson Tigers, though, man. These guys were hot and heavy, man, rolling through their schedule, Kev. Not the case right now. They just took a big loss to Duke. They're not where we thought they would be this time of year because we really, I mean, I thought really this was a big season for them. What are you kind of adequate to what's happened up there in Death Valley up there with the Tigers and the basketball program? Yeah, that's that's been an interesting case to watch over the over the course of the last couple of weeks because, you know, I think they were up to, what, 12th in the country in the AP poll. Right. And that was just a couple of weeks ago. And now they're not even they're not even in the rankings. So, you know, it's, it's just been tough going. And, you know, it's, I think a lot of it's just shots not falling. You know, after Amir Sims, they don't have, you know, other than, uh, you know, Al Amir, he's, he's kind of your default number two. But they don't really have another guy who's consistently going to go out there and put up 12, 15 points every night, which in the ACC – you know, you got to have, even if Duke and, and North Carolina and those schools are having down years, you still got to have that number two score to beat them. Yeah, no doubt. Now, your thoughts quickly before I ask you just a couple more, because I know you got to get out of the car and cover some high school basketball real quick. But the Gamecocks, Ray Martin, you know, again, they, they both, Clemson and South Carolina, had a tough weekend. Your thoughts on Frank Martin? Again, he's getting some big guys coming in here committing, but can he get that action on the court like you're seeing it on the signing days and things like that? What do you think up there in Columbia right now? Well, I don't, I don't think any team in our state, and maybe there's not many more in the country that have been hit harder by this pandemic than South Carolina. You know, going on pause a couple of times, Frank Martin, uh, he's, had, he's had COVID twice. He's contracted it twice now since last summer. So, you know, just the cohesiveness he was talking last week, you know, his team defensively is probably where they would be in early December. And, you know, here we are in February because they just haven't had enough practice time. So I, I, I've heard some – Gamecocks fans are, are getting a little restless with Coach Martin. I think that's insane. I don't think mm. there's any way that school brings in a coach that's better than Frank Martin. So, you know, unless you want to just take a chance with a young guy, you know, and see what, what he can do, I just I don't see that school bringing in anyone better than Frank Martin. Yeah, no doubt. We're wrapping up here quickly. Kevin Villadu, Live 5 Sports over there, CBS affiliate here in the Charleston area. Man, football, college football, it is going to be a thing here in the low country, man. I'm excited about it, by the way. Your thoughts and what are you hearing about coming out of the Citadel, Charleston Southern, and just your thoughts overall as far as, man, you're going to be covering some football in the spring, not just a spring game, but yet a spring season. Yeah, you know, I've got this Google calendar that I, I keep all my games on and you know, all the schedules are on that and everything's a different color. And you look at February, it looks like a bowl of fruity pebbles right now, man. Cause once, you know, basketball's in the middle and baseball's getting ready to start in a couple of weeks and football's right behind that. So, I mean, it's just going to be an insane time. And, you know, the, the guys you really think about are the, the people that work for the schools, you know, they're, they're cut down as it is because all these departments are cutting down to try to make up all the money they lost from last year. And now they've, you know, some of these schools have two SIDs, that have to cover, you know, six events on, on a Saturday coming up. So I don't know how these guys are going to do it. And it's going to be just as tough for us in the media as we try to, you know, make sure we uh, have all that covered in addition to, 
you know, the high school basketball playoffs that are set to start in a couple of weeks. Not to mention college baseball, final thing, man. College baseball seems to be here. We are now talking it up at the Citadel. College of Charleston, I'm expecting big things over there. And, of course, Charleston Southern, man. I think that these guys could have a heck of a program. Of course, the Gamecocks and the Tigers and Coastal always in this conversation as well, man. What's your thoughts after covering some of that this past weekend? Yeah, excuse me. Yeah, I went up to Charleston Southern on uh, on Friday, and I met their new coach, Coach McMillan, and uh, talked with their ace pitcher, R.J. Pettit, the, the preseason Big South pitcher of the year. And, you know, he's going to be a real big key for them, you know, that no matter who they start off with. And I know Boston College is going to be coming down to play over at Charleston Southern early on in this season. But to have a guy like him who can go out and, you know, he's not going to guarantee you a victory, but he can almost certainly give you – you know, seven strong innings and keep you in a position where you're going to be right there to win the ball game for a team in the Big South. That's that's just so invaluable for them. Yeah, no doubt, man. Talking about valuable, man. This man right here, Kevin Billadu, Live 5 News, his very own, of course, uh, covers it, smothers it, takes care of it here on the show here tonight, man. Quickly, man, give yourself a plug. How do they find you? How do they keep up with you? You're going to be doing a lot of triple and quadruple uh, duties here in the next couple of months. <laughs> yeah, just just come over and grab me on Twitter at Kevin Live Five and Kevin Billadu Live Five News on Facebook and Kevin Live Five on Instagram. I, my New Year's resolution was to have a post on Instagram every day, and through the first <laughs> month, I'm still going. So I, I, you know, I need some more people to come and, and check this out. So come on over to Kevin Live Five on Instagram as well. Now, the final thing, I said it last thing, final thing, did you like your picture that we got created? We got in our graphic department stepping up our A game. And what about the – was that a former Gamecock that won the Royal Rumble? Was that what you had posted yesterday or today? Yeah, yeah, Bianca Belair. She uh, she ran track for a year for South Carolina. Mm. I, I want to say it was in 2008. And then she went on and went to Texas A&M, ran there for a year, and then she ran a couple of years at Tennessee where I think she was an All-American her last year. So – Wow. Cool to see, you know, she's she's really one of the up and comers in, in that WWE. So it's gonna be gonna be really cool to see what they do with her at WrestleMania. Should be a lot of fun, brother. Be safe, God bless, buckle up, drive safe. The weather, not our friend, but basketball season is in the air here in the low crunchy, buddy. Appreciate you as always, Kev. All right, boys, we'll talk to y'all soon. That you will. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. Go check that guy out. Kevin Billadu is an amazing amazing dude who does an incredible job eugene i'm going to bring you in again guys you know we've had to do some things we've had some kind of some wacky weather here in the low country and it's kind of affected some of the stuff but we think we have it figured out again uh, kevin billadu was our 6 30 guest we started the show uh at 6 30 after moving some things around and uh we will welcome you here once again i'm richie Elman alongside eugene benton for our southern sports central monday night madness it's every bit of that as it started off you know, they always say it doesn't matter how you start. It matters how you finish, and doggone it, we're going to finish uh, on the upper side of things. As we do welcome you here tonight, make sure you follow us on Facebook at Southern Sports Central, on Twitter at SO Sports Central. We're tweeting it. We're Facebooking it, and we're on the grand. That's at Southern Sports Central. Well, now, Eugene, of course, and I, uh, we got a lot to get into today because coming up at 7 o'clock uh, here in just a few minutes, we'll take the bus all the way from uh, the West Ashley Live 5 Studios. It's going to park somewhere in Charlotte, catch up with Reginald Walker Jr., where we'll talk a lot about, of course, the big Super Bowl coming up. I didn't even ask Kevin about that, but, again, time is uh, is tough to get to. But uh, we'll talk the big NFL Super Bowl coming up this weekend. We'll get some picks out there for that. And then, of course, we'll get into the National Signing Day. That's coming up, college basketball, and anything else that's on Reggie's mind for 30 minutes 
is what we'll do. Then at 7.30, Coach Jackson will be hanging out with us. He's up there in the upstate, coming down to the lower state uh, in February, where he'll have not one but two great days of training down here with the big linemen, a couple of other linemen, as well as maybe some other coaches that want to be a part of this thing down here. And, uh, you know, we, of course, uh, we'll have to wait and see uh, on that. But he is with the elite position training group. Of course, we're very fortunate to have Ramon Robinson. Of course, Chachi comes in here as well. And a lot of the other big-time guys like Coach Gowans comes in, and, and they all talk about what they do. But he is the big man in the trenches for, of course, uh, EPT. So we're excited to have him at 730. Then at 8 o'clock, we're going to open up the phone lines. We'll hang out with hopefully a lot of our young athletes who have made that verbal decision today and or over the weekend to where they're going to go play college football. There's been some South Carolina State. There's been some Erskine. There's been some Benedict. There's been a little bit of this and a little bit of that, but we'll get all of that from 8 to about 8.45. We've opened up the lines for these guys who have made that verbal decision to where they're going to cover uh, the land in 2021 and the upcoming football season. We've also said if you played your uh, your sports started today, and again, February 1st here, spring is in the air, and it's everywhere across the state of South Carolina when it comes to sports because you got soccer, baseball, and softball all happening here, of course, um, you know, today. And whether it's, uh, what would they say, rain, wind, sun, or shine, or this, that, and the other, they practice today. I can promise you. I know Eugene – and I talked a little bit off the air about certain facilities and certain schools have indoor batting cages or somewhat of a cover batting area. So there is that, of course, uh, that probably helped out a lot throughout today's events. And then, you know, Eugene mentioned a little bit, uh, I guess he and I were talking a little bit off the air about the uh, this baseball class is uh, something that he has seen, I guess, uh, at Berkeley. Right, Eugene? Is that what you were mentioning? Yeah, I did, and it was actually uh, a Twitter discussion back and forth with um, with Dave Sheldon and the Berkeley Stags baseball Twitter handle uh, about they had a uh, baseball class. So while uh, I think the kind of the joke or the comment was something about while it officially starts today, we know those boys have been taking advantage of the baseball class. So I was kind of curious as to what the baseball class entails um, curriculum-wise and you know, from what my understanding was, it does mean that they actually get out there and throw the ball, which, you know, having that nice indoor covered uh, facility there on campus, I'm, I'm sure they probably took advantage of that. I've been over there a couple times. has nice indoor batting cages, some pitching uh, area. So, uh, you know, it, it's definitely a, a very, very nice facility. Um, I was talking to the gentleman uh, over there, uh, actually, and Coach Steele when he was on, uh, way back, uh, I want to say a couple months ago, um, you know, we were talking about that facility and how great. And uh, actually, the baseball coach when he was on too after they canceled the season, and you know how the money was raised for that, and where it came from, and you know how often it's used and things like that. But it's a real nice, real large facility. It's very safe. You know, you don't have balls flying past your face. You know, inside, uh, uh, you know, concrete and wooden structure. So, uh, whoever put it together, and I don't recall all the details, did a great job on it, but. Yeah, so also I was curious. I just saw the whole baseball class thing, and kind of was curious as to what all what all is involved in that, uh, education wise, class wise, learning wise, and obviously you know development of the sport, and if it's open to uh, other kids uh, outside of the varsity and JV program. Well, I can tell you right now, this is how it works. And again, I, I'm, I'm just uh, my understanding is number one, 
it's no different than the football classes that you saw during the fall sports. And basically it gives the opportunity for these young men or women, because I don't know if they'd have, I would imagine to have a softball class as well, but that gives them the opportunity to go out and practice. And again, if you're not on the team, you wouldn't be in this class, right? I mean, that's kind of defeats the purpose. It's not like a learning thing. It's not like they're teaching you how to swing a bat or throw a baseball, which maybe that's probably those outside are thinking, Oh, cool. That's, that's cool. That's a neat class. You know, you've got this, that, and the other, and all, but, you know, teach us how to do this, that, and the other. Nope, that's not what it is. This gives them another opportunity. I, you know, I don't like to use the word loophole, but it is it is what it is, right, Eugene? It gives them an opportunity to go out and start practicing at 1 o'clock, not have to wait till 4 o'clock, where, of course, you know, in the, in, the, in the spring and in the fall, we deal with what in the afternoons? Thunderstorms. So this gives them a chance a little bit earlier to get to a, an extra chance to get out there and get in and get out of the weather uh, as well. Now, of course, uh, you know, we'll, we'll kind of keep that up and, and that conversation can kind of keep well, running. Yeah. But I'm curious if that's something that's kind of gone on around the state, man, because again, football has been doing that for a while. There's some schools that I can mention that I won't mention that do some football classes that, um, again, that's well, what benefits I, I, them. It's actually, it's no secret. I mean, I, I remember when Gerald was a freshman at Wando and was in regular right. weightlifting class, he got pulled out of weightlifting and, and rescheduled into the football class, uh, and that was back when I believe Bailey Hart was a senior quarterback and Ortre is a receiver there. Uh, he got rescheduled into the football class, and sure enough, they would actually go out and run routes and learn about you know different you know measurements and things on the field, what you know different plays were, what different scenarios were, you know the down the distance markers and and all this kind of stuff. Uh, that had to do with the game, but they did actually go out behind the school and, and run routes. Now, my understanding is one of the reasons why it's created is during the dead period, that is right now, if you're a high right. school coach, you're not allowed to work with your player and a ball, but if you read the rule, it says you're not allowed to work with your player and a ball after, and I believe it's like 3.30 p.m., right? So no right. after-school practices with the ball was the way they intended to write the rule or the way the, the, the intention was behind the rule is that after class, after school's over, you can't go out to the field and practice. It's an illegal practice. This seems to circumvent that because they have a class and they're mm-hmm. doing that, but it's before 3.15, 3.30, whatever p.m. I'll have to look at the exact rule. But uh, anyway, it, it does seem a little bit way of circumventing that and kind of getting in some game film and some routes and, you know things like that with your players uh, during the during the de- the uh, dead period. Yeah, and you're exactly right because football's been doing this for a minute. Wando, Fort Dorchester, I think Somerville's looking at possibly if they're not doing it now, they're we're going to do it. Um, you know, there's just there's that it it is what it is. Again, to me, it seems to me that it's a it, it's an opportunity to get some extra work in during a period that that normally if you waited, so that bell rang, it ain't happening. So this gives a chance for that to happen. My thing is, you would think they would have to have a few non-athletic kids in there to kind of keep the shade away. But again, maybe they don't need to. Again, I don't, I don't, I'm not mad at anybody. I think it's a great idea. It keeps kids in shape. You're, you know, you're giving them an opportunity to do something that they're actually going to be paying attention to. And as long as it doesn't take it away from the academics. And again, if they have PE, why not just put them in something that they're really going to get the most exposure out of? And again, you know, it, it, it's a win-win situation across the board we got to take a break here in just a few minutes because the bus is pulling up to charlotte where reginald walker jr going to catch in here with us and talk a little bit about the super bowl that's taking place in tampa of course uh, the buccaneers first time ever right first time ever 
these uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers will uh, be playing in their own backyard. I think it's the first time the Super Bowl's ever hosted uh, one of the teams in their own stadium. And that was, again, something set way before this even was a conversation. But it is what it is, and it's going to be what it'll be. We'll also go ahead between myself, Eugene, and, of course, uh, Reginald Walker, Jr. We're going to do a, a pick em tonight here on tonight's show. Quick break. We're going to listen to uh, our big man, Eric Thomas, about staying true. What does it mean? Well, listen up. We'll be right back. Top of the hour, right out of this. What do you got to do to separate yourself? What time is that? What time are they getting up? Good. So you need to be up at least by what? Seven. Am I better than the other motivational speakers? I don't know if I'm more talented than them. I just know I get up at three o'clock and put my videos out first. I just know I do five a day. So if you're actually better than me, nobody will know. I'm separating myself. I'm putting my stuff out on Sunday night in the shy, but in the world, it's Monday. So what are you doing to separate yourself? Two, three more. Talk to me. What are you doing? Wake up early. I love it. What are you doing? Accountability. Coach ain't got to tell you. Your mama ain't got to tell you. Your daddy ain't got to tell you. But that's what happens when you got an entitled spirit and you think you're there already. You don't hold yourself accountable. Just because a man is on top one day, it don't mean he's going to be on top forever. And just because you're not on top today don't mean you ain't going to be on top forever. Like, don't try to be something. Like, don't listen to stuff on and try to be something you're not. All right? Don't be like a studio gangster. Right? For real, some of y'all, you come from good backgrounds. Like, embrace that. Some of y'all come from good homes, good parents. You got two parents at the crib. Or you got your mom and your dad both involved in your life. Your mom pray with you. And you get out the house trying to act like, you feel me? I, look, I, like I told y'all, I'm from this side. You can look up my birth certificate. I went to school, too, in Detroit. You can look it up. I don't got to act like I'm hard. I don't got to act like I'm nothing, like I'm going to be who I am. I don't care how much money I got. I don't care how much fame I got. We are humans. Be who you are, bro. Whoever you are, wherever you come from, you come from the suburbs, you ain't got to claim like, you know what I'm saying? Like, if you from the north side of Chicago, you ain't got to be you from the suburbs, you ain't got to be like, yo, I'm from, I'm from the west side. You ain't got to try to claim something you're not or be something you're not. Like, be comfortable in your own skin is what I'm trying to tell y'all. That's how I blew up. back everybody i'm rich y'all but you know the wolf pack theme is on and that means we're in charlotte north carolina with one of the pack all the way up there in of course uh the queen city of charlotte north carolina reginald walker jr what's going on big reggie 
What's up, fellas? I love the music choices. The only thing that, that I keep thinking about is the the, the, uh, the first track that you dropped on us there, the SEC on CBS thing. We we may not hear that much longer. Remember, they, they, they sold off the rights. The conference sold off the rights to ESPN. Isn't that wild, though? I mean, that to me is a tradition That's... you just don't break. Yeah, I, I, mm. I never thought it would happen. But Man. with the rising cost of rights right now, mm. at some point you got to say, ah, we, we, maybe this one isn't good enough for us. They're, they're going to be around. CBS is going to do something else with that money. You can guarantee that. They are, Reggie, but, oh, man, I, I, you know, and I forgot all about that conversation because, to me, it's – and you wonder how much the SEC is trying to take back and make more and do all this. They're no different than anybody else, right? I mean, COVID has affected them as much as anybody. Their stadiums weren't packed out. Things weren't happening. The TV deals are the TV deals. It is what it is, if you know what I mean. But to me, you know, do we, do we kind of lean on the side of, of a, just another effect early that we're going to see with possibly that had a connection to the craziness from 2020? I think that's part of it, but I think I think the rising cost of the rights in general. I mean, if memory serves, this was something like a three hundred and something, you know, million dollar deal. I think almost a year. I think it was per year. Um, so you, you start to look at, you know, you, you're talking about, you know, anytime you get over a hundred million dollars a year for essentially fifteen games, um, that starts to get really, really expensive. Now you add to that. Obviously, the SEC network is a part of, you know, what ESPN is doing. Uh, so it allows them to have uh, everything in the same place. Uh, but, again, uh, you know, it, it, you're talking about, again, $300 million annual deal. That's, a six, that's six times what it was previous with CBS, which was about $50 million a year, $55 million a year. Wow, that's wild. Now, let me ask that's you this. That's a lot trans- That is a lot. And, and for me, you know, why the SEC is the SEC. When you think college football, with all due respect to the other four mega conferences and some of the other conferences who I think really honestly do a really good job from top to bottom, but the SEC is kind of the leading the way, right? I mean, they, they kind of set the tone, and then everybody else kind of falls in place, right? Would that be a fair statement? Yeah, they are, and, and part of it is they're, they're where they are um, in terms of the landscape of uh, obviously the southeast, uh, the weather, um, and how it cooperates for much of the season. And then you add to it. You look at a lot of the SEC states, right? You look at South Carolina. There's no professional sports in South Carolina. You look at Alabama. There are no professional sports in Alabama. You look at Mississippi, same thing. Arkansas, same thing. Uh, Missouri, I mean, obviously you, you could argue the Chiefs and, and, and you have the Cardinals and, and, and of the sort, but from the University of Missouri, those are each three hours away. Uh, so you start to look at the main footprint of the SEC, and I know everybody's going to say, well, Georgia has, you know, professional teams in Atlanta and, and there are several professional teams in the state of Florida. I get all that. But if you really look at kind of the heartbeat of what the SEC is and always has been, which is the Alabama, the Ole Miss, that, that area – those are places, South Carolina as well, with the Gamecocks, those are states that do not have professional sports. So every resource in the state goes to those universities, particularly those football programs. Hanging out real quick with Reginald Walker, Jr. It is 7 o'clock here on, of course, Southern Sports Central. We're going through a bunch of things, Reggie, because 
you know, we, we got to turn the page fast because we got a bunch to cover with you here tonight. The Super Bowl, it is happening on Sunday. And, it, of course, why? I don't know why they don't move this thing to Saturday, just like the national championship. It seems to be a game that they just want to have us dragging our feet the following day because for guys like you and me and some of the ladies, by the way, who love the game of football, especially in the NFL, man, it's going to be a battle in the trenches. I feel like that, to me, is going to be where this game is won between offensive and defensive lines because two great quarterbacks at different parts of their career. But your thoughts as uh, Tampa hosts their own Tampa Bay Buccaneers but yet brings in the Kansas City Chiefs this weekend. Yeah, I, I think this game has the opportunity uh, to be a classic. It really, really does. You've got two quarterbacks that operate as well as we've seen in the game in a long time. Uh, you've got explosive offensive players uh, on the edges. You've got defensive uh, units that have played much better uh, the last few weeks. Uh, my one concern, uh, obviously, Kansas City without both of their tackles. Um, and then today, uh, Adam Schefter, a, mm-hmm. a Shefty bomb is always coming, right? It's not as big as a Woj bomb this time, but it's always coming. Uh, he drops that uh, the Chiefs, their center, Dan Kilgore, and Demarcus Robinson are in COVID protocols. Um, basically, it's a, it's a close contact situation. But if there's anything you don't want to see, or maybe you do want to see because he's that good, is Patrick Mahomes missing three offensive linemen. That, that's not what you want to see in a Super Bowl to me. Now, if you're a Bucks fan, you don't care. You're like, so what? That's, he'll, he needs to build a bridge and get over it because we're going to play this game anyway. But if you're a Kansas City fan or a, pure, a football purist, a sports purist, uh, it does bother you a little bit uh, that there's a chance that uh, there could be multiple players missing, uh, especially when it's not injury-related or a direct positive COVID-19 test. Yeah, and we're talking about the big game coming up here. Of course, uh, Sunday will be the game. 6.30 will be the kickoff. It will be. Matter of fact, talking to CBS. CBS will be hosting this one over there at Raymond James Stadiums. Tampa Bay will be one of the teams. On the other side, you'll see, of course, the Chiefs. But great quarterbacks. But how about some of these receivers? I mean, you know, I, I get it that, that we're learning more about Tampa. And, again, no surprise that the quarterback – the, the Buccaneers and, and Tom Brady just what, – what does he do? He, he creates receivers, right? I mean, it's almost like he's a video game maker because he just makes receivers get better and better. Of course, he's got his guy Gronk over there. But uh, there's another big-time receiver that, of course, the quarterback on the other side has a chance to throw to. What is your thoughts on the quarterbacks? Yes, but the receivers are even more. And, by the way, isn't the – Buccaneers going to be with a receiver that they didn't have with the win they got in Green Bay? Yeah, it looks like they're going to have everybody back, including Antonio Brown, who, who you're talking about specifically. Uh, and, that, and that's the thing that I think is, is so intriguing about this game, because you've got two teams with a lot of weapons, right? You, you look at Kansas City, uh, you, you, obviously it starts with the cheetah Tyreek Hill. Then you've got Travis Kelsey, one of the best playmaking tight ends we've seen in football in, ever. Right, and then and then you're you, you got guys like Nicole Hardman that got speed and can make plays. Uh, we just talked about Demarcus Robinson if he's there um, and, and not dealing with with the COVID stuff. And then on the flip side of it, you're right. You go to Tampa Bay, whether it's Gronk, whether it's Big Mike Evans, whether it's uh, uh, 
what's the receipt? Chris Godwin, the, the, the Nittany right. Lions, uh, whether it's him. Scotty Miller made a play. Now, I will say that the, the play that Scotty Miller made late in the first half against Green Bay, that's why Mike Pettin got fired. If anybody wants to think that that was a – no. That was the same thing that we saw from Greg Williams that got him fired by the Jets when they blew a game by letting Derek Carr throw a bomb to beat them. So same thing, and he got the same result. So I understand that. Uh, but you look at all these weapons, and there are playmakers everywhere and two quarterbacks that are maestros at getting these guys the football. That's why it's so important to me that both offensive lines are intact because I want to see the chess match between those quarterbacks and those defenses and defensive coordinators. Because if you really look at this thing, the Kansas City Chiefs have been playing much better. They've got a chess piece in the Honey Badger, Tyron Matthews, that they can move all over the field. Sorensen's playing good football. Their defensive front, led by Clark and those guys, have played really, really good football the last couple of weeks. We were taught what made everybody so excited about Tom Brady going to Tampa. It wasn't that it was Tom and those receivers. Guys, look – Credit to them. But everybody was thinking, man, the Buccaneers, I believe they were a top five defense in the league last year, guys. Top five defense in the league. And then you go get Tom Brady. Most of the season, we didn't see that defense. The last two or three weeks, we have seen that defense led by Jason Pierre-Paul up front, uh, as well as uh, Ndamukong Sue there in the middle. Vita Vea came back as well. And then Shaq Barrett on the other side. You get those four big boys getting after the quarterback as well, uh, you're going to see it, it's, there's a chance for some real fireworks in this game. And I'm looking forward to uh, hopefully both offensive lines are as close to full strength as they can be because I'm looking forward to the battle in the trenches and how much that impacts what these quarterbacks are able to do. Hanging out quickly here, as we always do on Mondays, with one of our one and only Wolfpack members up in Charlotte, North Carolina, Reginald Walker Jr., checking in with us, talking Super Bowl talk. Now, I'm going to play on the other side. Patrick Mahomes is going to be a house name. He already is, but I'm talking by the time he gets up to Tom Brady, who, by the way, said today he probably will play past 45, which I'm not doubting that because that's got to be one of the cleanest quarterbacks. I mean, he always has some pretty solid protection for the most part. Uh, throughout his seasons. But on the other side, Patrick Mahomes has a couple of receivers that I want to see what they can do. With Tyreek Hill, you got Sammy Watkins, of course, the former Clemson Tiger, and that tight end that seems to always, and I mean always, be open. How does a guy like that, because he's not small by any chance, and I'm talking about Travis Kelsey, who always just seems right place, right time, Reggie catching footballs inside, outside the red zone and just putting it in the end zone. Well, it's two things. He, a, he knows how to get open. He knows how to use his body and, and do certain things to set guys up. But Andy Reid and, and Eric Bieniemy and that play calling uh, to go along with Patrick Mahomes, who reads the defenses so well, it's, it's really hard to contain that guy. And, and, and you add all those elements up. And then the fact that sometimes you can just throw the big fellow a jump ball and let him go get it. Uh, you can let him you know play the kind of box-out game and just – throw it to a spot, and he can give you a big target as well. He's just really hard to stop. And then the, I think what makes him, uh, to me, what makes him so ridiculous is his ability to move all over the field. He can flex out and be a receiver by himself. They can put him as number three in the slot with two other receivers outside of him. They can put him between two guys. So it's so hard to slow him down off the line of scrimmage because they move him around so much takes you a minute to identify them, and then they, but the way they orchestrate it, 
it creates a lot of free releases for their guys, which helps with the timing uh, with Patrick Mahomes. And they do it very, very well with the big guy, Travis Kelsey. Now, the other side of this thing is, of course, and this is Eugene's love language, is special teams. And, again, Eugene, correct me if I'm wrong, but is it Harrison Bucker who is the, the kicker for the Chiefs? And I know Ryan Suckup, the former Gamecock, is the kicker for, of course, uh, the, the team on the other side with Tampa. Could this be a game that comes down to special teams? Because these guys honestly, realistically, are evenly matched, but almost like one's at a kid's table, other team's at the adult table, but they're still – sized up pretty good, and this could come down to a special teams type of game when the uh, fourth quarter comes around. I'll say it this way. And the only reason I'm going to say it this way is because every time you say something like this, it, it, it ends up being not the case. I think it's <laughs> going to come down to who has the ball last and who gets an opportunity to kick a field goal to win the game. I mean, that, that, that's the type of game that we could be set up for with these two quarterbacks, these two offenses, these two play callers, because let's not, let's not forget here, uh, on the other side of the of coin, we talked about uh, Andy Reid and Eric the enemy. we got to give some credit to Bruce Arians and Byron Leftwich, the offensive coordinator down in Tampa, for what they've orchestrated as well. And remember, uh, this is a guy in Byron Leftwich that played uh, in, in the same era as Tom Brady, and now he's his mm. offensive coordinator. So how ironic is that when you look at this, right, and, and go back and, and, and really understand that, you know, Tom Brady, I mean, obviously, he, he's, he's a maestro with this, but he's playing for an offensive coordinator that's younger than him. Um, and he's out there still doing his thing. So I, I just think these two offenses, and I, I do think these defenses will make some plays at times, uh, but these are two of the smartest quarterbacks that will find a way to make sure they're protected every time or get rid of the football when they're not. Uh, and we'll see a lot of playmaking in this game. And, guys, it would not shock me if somebody's getting the ball back with 140 left and two timeouts or one timeout, and they got to get 65, 70 yards, 55, 60 yards to kick a field goal. Uh, it would not shock me at all if that's what this game comes down to, and that's where Suckup and Bucker can be there. Also, there won't be many stops during this game. I think it's going to be a lot of offense. You add to that, when you do get a stop, where do you get that stop? And can you flip the field position to make it easier for you to score? That's where the punters will be involved as well. Yeah, punters are definitely going to be a big thing. Eugene will be, of course, on the edge of his seat with potato chips in front of him, I'm sure, as he'll be watching special teams doing special things. Of course, we're talking about the Super Bowl coming up and a kick this Sunday, February the 7th. What's that? And a kicking tee by his foot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no doubt. As he sleeps with it, probably as well. Eugene, chime in here, man, because I want to give you some time because I know, of course, uh, you know, you've got your thoughts and opinions. And, of course, before we get you out of here, Reggie, you know, we'll all three get our picks as, uh, of course, uh, we, we want to kind of make sure we have something on the line here getting uh, into the weekend. But, Eugene, your, your thoughts on a big game like this. And I mentioned Ryan Suckup, who has been kind of that go-to guy. Now they finally figured it out. This was kind of an Achilles heel no pun intended there for the special teams, but definitely an issue for Tampa in the past. But it seems like Suckup is uh, doing just like what Suckup's done his whole career as uh, the Gamecocks and, of course, since he's been in the league. Yeah, and it actually has a link all uh, to the North Carolina area. Um, you know, Suckup was from uh, North Carolina. He signed one of the first full scholarship kickers at South Carolina. I mean, coaches just 
you know, a lot of schools and a lot of head coaches just don't like to do that. They like to give them a preferred walk-on and have them earn that scholarship. But, you know, he's a full scholarship guy coming in, and he kind of was one of the ones that kind of be- – Get it between him and Sebastian Janikowski for opposite reasons. They kind of changed uh, kickers in the NFL. Suckett was one of the first ones that wasn't that, that was a non punter that was a kicker that hit that six four two fifteen mark two twenty five. You know they're they're bigger than some of the linebackers now. The long leg, you know the cannon leg. Sebastian Janikowski was more of a we'll call it a fullback type. You know, but when he came into the league, when Suckup came into the league, he and Sebastian Janikowski, you know, they were looked at like guys that were going, you know, 50 yarders were, were a thing of, you know, the 40 of the past. And they've been able to bomb some. And I know Suckup hit, I think, one of the records last week uh, on his. And, you know, uh, a couple of weeks ago uh, out in Kansas City, um, Harrison Bucker broke a record for the longest field goal. In, um, in Arrowhead history in the playoffs. You know, so these guys, you know, you put it out there at 60 yards, they can put it through. The longest one in NFL history is tied between three guys. Uh, Sebastian Janikowski is one of them at 63 yards. I kind of watched it earlier. And in warm-ups that same day, he hit a 70-yarder at mile high. You know, so I, I think it comes down to it. Uh, but if I had to go today uh, with who could hit the long ball, I would definitely go Harrison Bucker over anybody in the league uh, just because, I mean, the guy just has an unbelievable cannon leg um, and, and, you know, suck up of the past. You know, I, I think he certainly has kind of hit his stride and, and hit his shots. But uh, if it comes down to it, and it was like, like Reggie said, one of those 55, 60 yarders, man. I mean, in the past two, three seasons, Harrison's just made so many of those. Uh, one time this year he hit, uh, I think it was two or three in a row because of timeouts and uh, penalties and whatnot, and ended up still winning the game. So I would love to see that. Uh, another guy, the punter for Tampa Bay, Bradley Pinion, he trains right there at the Matthews Sports Complex in Charlotte, uh, North Carolina, was on the phone with a bunch of our guys uh, FaceTiming actually before the NFC Championship game. So that was uh, kind of fun uh, for, for the high school kids to get a chance to talk to him before he went out on the field. So uh, it, it'll be interesting, man. Um, you know, I don't have a dog in this fight so with either of these teams, so I'm really just looking for a good game, and uh, that would be icing on the cake if it came down to a kick to win it. See, yeah, Richie, no doubt about that. that. I, I'll say it like this. Yeah. You hear that? You hear, you hear what Eugene said? He was – Pinion was FaceTiming with his guys right before he went on, his, went on the field. I know kickers and punters are people too, but see, you know what? Position players, we can't do that right before the game. Gronk was on that as well. <laughs> well, Gronk was on that FaceTime as well. He told the guys, have fun and get back to work from the locker room. Gronk's a cyborg, but I agree. I agree. I was just giving you a hard time, but Gronk's a cyborg. He's not really normal. He's, he's different. He's built different. He, yeah, he just – I don't know how he does what he does either. Yeah. Uh, let me ask you this, though, guys, and Eugene, stay in here with us, buddy. But, you know, first of all – Eugene and I talked last week, and we wanted to save all of the, the game action for this week because we knew we didn't have anything going on last week with the NFL. But, Reggie, have you heard any news on – and if I'm not mistaken, Eugene had even read that, that they weren't going to allow the, the teams to show up, what, two days before kickoff, right? Is that what it was, Eugene? And then I guess my follow-up question is, 
did they were they able to adjust that? Because it doesn't seem like it's kind of a fair trade off when really, quite frankly, you know, one team's already there and they've been there forever and ever. Yeah, I mean, uh, they they well, I, I think Kansas City also wants to stay back in Kansas City um, because remember, Kansas City smaller market, not as much media attention, not all those things. They can kind of right. stay out of the limelight and stay focused, um, and then they get down there and it's and it's literally exactly what what we would always say, right? Is a business trip. Uh, so I think they're okay with that. Uh, I think the other piece of that is. Uh, you know, they're, you know, the tougher part for them maybe is they're practicing in the elements. They're, they're out in the cold in Kansas City, um, and they're going to have to adjust to that when they get to Tampa. Now, it's not hard to adjust from cold weather to adequate football weather, right, going to the south. Right. So I don't think that's going to be a concern. I actually think it, it may be better. And, and look, guys, I don't know what the population numbers are, and I don't track all this stuff. But um, I know that there's a lot more freedom of movement from what I understand in the state of Florida, as it relates to COVID-19 protocols, uh, as there may be in, in Missouri and Kansas, um, where, where near and where the, the Chiefs play and or live, the players. Uh, so from that standpoint, it, they may feel like it's a little bit safer uh, to keep their guys in their own bubble kind of environment uh, where they only go to the facility and to their homes. Well, I tell you what, should be an interesting conversation as we kind of look at it now. Of course, uh, the other conversation that, that's getting a little bit of, uh, you know, I, I would say uh, social media is that, that some of the big letter networks aren't, or, excuse me, some of the big letter sponsors aren't doing their thing. Budweiser, Pepsi, Coke aren't, aren't really having that epic uh, commercial. Now, I do know that Budweiser, I believe, is getting ready to release a certain style commercial, which I think is going to be more about unity and, and us getting together as a country. I think that was one of the things that I saw, but, you know, being a former employee of Anheuser-Busch back in the day and doing a lot with the sports marketing side of it, their business, you know, that was one of the things that we look forward to is seeing, you know, the Clydesdales do that kick, as you would remember, or some of the other famous commercials that Budweiser, Coke, Pepsi would all do. Uh, Reggie, your thoughts on a man that you and I kind of, and Eugene, we grew up, that was just like anybody, man. We couldn't wait for the commercials as much as we couldn't wait for the game to be played. And the Bud Bowl. Yeah. I, the, the Bud, Bud Bowl, Bowl. Yeah. yes. The Bud Bowl. Absolutely. I, you know, I, it, it's just another one of those. I know we've already flipped the calendar, but 2020, COVID. I mean, that's all you can say, 2020, COVID-19. At this point, um, it's just it's really changed a lot of business. Um, in so many ways, and, 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 and if you look at just, you know, how businesses are operating now, and what I think a lot of companies and corporations are, are looking at now is they're going, okay, we made XYZ amount of dollars in a given year, but we spent XYZ amount of dollars on commercials and marketing and yada, yada, yada. What would we have made those years if we didn't do that? And if they feel like the, the ROI wasn't as big, they're looking at it now going, well, it, if the ROI wasn't, wouldn't have been really, wasn't technically really worth it before, we're definitely not going to do it in the middle of the COVID-19 pandemic because it's still going to be just as hard or harder um, to get people to come out and buy and do different things. So buying habits have changed so much. I think that uh, companies and organizations have to do the same thing. And so, you know, I, and, and the message, the way I received that message, guys, was, when the NFL announced that they were only going to have 20-something thousand fans and, and, and many of those were going to be the first responders that they were bringing for free, 
That was a message because what that told me is a bunch of – we've talked about this before. Many of the people that attend the Super Bowl year to year are the sponsors, are the check writers. Well, if those people are not showing up, it's a lot easier to give away those tickets to first responders. And I'm not saying these people are not important. What I'm saying is, as an organization like the National Football League, you're sitting there going, well, we're not going to have these people that spend X, Y, Z amounts of money to make sure we take care of this year. Let's take care of the people who have taken care of everybody in the nation. So there's a different approach to it, and not to mention those companies probably haven't spent as much money this year. Very true. Well, the, is very I true. The, the, the advertising budget uh, for the people buying those 30-second clips is going to be down $155 million. I tagged both of you guys in some articles last week, and you know, there were several large advertisers who had been you know, part of the Super Bowl for 20-plus years consecutively, and they said that their advertising people and media people got together and just said, you know, the heck with it. The country's so divided, no matter what message we put out, half the country is going to go on social media and say we're insensitive or we're this or we're that. or we're, and, and, and they basically said, you know what, we can't win. So no matter what message we're putting out there, it's going to be, you know, it's going to offend some people. So they're just pulling it. They're pulling $155 million in normal advertising, and I just I was baffled by it. There were some people, like I said in the article that tagged you guys, have been a sponsor of a Super Bowl commercial for twenty something years consecutively. That's going back, you know. I'm just trying to think of some of these Super Bowls, man. That's the John Taylor sliding touchdown catch against you know the Bengals, and uh, you know uh, Doug Williams winning the Super Bowl with the Redskins back in the day type thing. You know these guys have been going. You know, advertising has been a staple of the Super Bowl since then. And, uh, you know, this is the first year. I know it's a, a crazy year, but we were supposed to be hopefully closing the door on the craziness uh, on January 1, and uh, it seems like it's uh, bleeding over. Well, I think there's a lot of things. That it's not just COVID, and it's not just, you know, the issues that we're having with, with a lot of separation in our country with certain topics here. I, I think there's just so many just dangerous whereabouts on the media side of things or the commercial side of these businesses. I mean, you, we said Pepsi, but you know, they own the Dorito company. So think of all those Dorito commercials that we've, we've grown up watching and just other commercials that that's just what we've known. But these, you know, I, I guess those in the office have done so much research that they've said, you know, Hey, we, we just can't take a chance. You know, we just can't take a chance. So rather than take a loss of, of a big picture, we'll take a loss here at this picture and kind of at least, you know, uh, go forward with it in, in that angle. Now, I do want to catch you before we uh, get loose here. I want to talk again. Let's get back to the Super Bowl. Of course, uh, it is coming up on Sunday. It will be 6.30. CBS will be covering it. Reggie, I'm going to ask you, man, break it down on uh, your side, who you're going to take. You don't have to give me a score unless you want to, but definitely uh, give me your picks here uh, as uh, a week from today. We'll be talking about who won, who lost in our pickups tonight. Yeah, I, I think, I, look, as much as I don't want to do this, I'm actually going to go against Tom Brady. I think, I think especially if, if uh, Patrick Mahomes is able to get Kilgore, his center, back in the lineup. Uh, I, I'll take the Chiefs 37-35, a late kick. Again, I, I really think it's going to come down to that. I think a late kick wins the game for Kansas City, and Tom Brady falls to a paltry 6-4 and four in Super Bowls. That's not terrible. 
And, and, and I think Pat, and, and Patrick Mahomes finds a way with his offense uh, to get it done in, in the clutch late in the football game. But, guys, I'm going to tell you right now, we're going to see a lot of points. We're going to see some plays made on offense. But I think, I think people are going to be surprised that some of the plays that are made by these defenses. I think we're in for a great Super Bowl, and I hope it lives up to, the, to what I think has a chance for it to be a classic. All right, Eugene, chime in, my friend. Oh, we might have lost Eugene. I think Eugene might have fell off here. He got so excited he didn't get a ch- he didn't get a chance to do it. But uh, you know, I'll dive into this thing and, and of course, uh, kind of look at what I see here. I'm going to go against you here, not because you picked, of course, the Chiefs, but but I'm on the other side. You know what, Eugene? You go first, and yeah. I'll finish up. You're back with us. Go ahead. I'm taking the Chiefs as well. Uh, I, it seems like every time I pick against Tom Brady, uh, I come back to regret it. He comes back to beat me and. You know, I'm tired of losing, but you know I'm still going to stick with my guns and and go with my head. I, I just I, I think the firepower is, is too great, uh, and, and I think that uh, Reed and Bienname saw enough uh, from those defensive ends uh, last week that they're they're not going to let their offensive tackle. You know, they might see what the offensive tackle can do in the first series, but I guarantee you, if that if if either tackle is going to get constantly beat like that. They're not going to get. They're not going to face single uh, man schemes the rest of the night. They're going to get help. They're going to make different adjustments. They'll get the ball out quicker. They'll do something different. And you're you're seeing a, uh, Andy Reid, you know, with a fourth down throwing the ball, with the game on the line, with the backup quarterback who's you know older than all of us on this show. And um, I just think they'll find a way to pull it out. Uh, I do hope it's a high scoring game too. Um, he he picked thirty seven thirty five. You know, I was thinking, of, you know, a 35-31, um, five touchdowns to four touchdowns and a kind of a field goal thing. Um, so I'll, I'll go ahead and stick with my original pick in that 35-31 Chiefs. All right, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be the odd man out here because I, I tell you what, I think the defense for Tampa Bay is really good. I mean, for you to be able to do what you did in Green Bay against the Packers, against I think Brett Favre, uh, you know, set a tone there, but the guy now, oh, the guy now is, I think, is, is going to leave a lot more of a legacy. He just didn't get to do it this year because he's watching the game like I am. But when you look and see what the Buccaneers are doing on the defense, I think that they're going to have a little bit more of a, a, an edge coming into this game. They're home. They're in their own backyard, of course. They're playing for a lot more than just the ring. They're playing for a lot of history being made because they're the first team to ever play in their own stadium in the Super Bowl. But then on the other side, we mentioned wide receivers. You know, of course, you, you said about the one gentleman that's going to be coming back here, you know, Mr. Brown. He'll be there. He wasn't there this past week ago when they beat the Packers. But for me, the guy that's going to be a difference maker is going to be the guy on the ground that's going to control a lot more than, uh, you know, where this goes and where that goes, and that's Leonard Fournette. Leonard Fournette, to me, is a guy who runs behind his pads. He still has – those purple shoulder pads under his jersey. You saw it the other weekend. But to me, he's going to be able to help out Tom Brady between running the ball and throwing the ball. And, again, Tom Brady, you know, I went against him. Of course, I was being a little bit of a homer against him with my Packers, but it's hard to go against a Tom Brady. And I think it's a high-scoring game, too. I think it's a 49-38. I think 
Tom Brady, the Buccaneers, make history. Tom Brady wins another Super Bowl. He's able to send another message to his former coach up at New England, as he did, I think, sometime in the last 24 hours. This one, of course, will be a little bit uh, bittersweet, if you will, but I think Tom Brady and the Buccaneers do finish what they started. They found a way to come back and beat the Saints after losing to them twice during the season. That was a statement win there. And then, of course, you see what they're able to do against the Green Bay Packers and, of course, uh, a team that I didn't think they were going to be able to beat. So now they're back home. The weather's fine, and I think it's time for the Buccaneers to uh, get that ring, guys. And that's just uh, my take on it at the end of the day. So, Reggie, I want to say this to you. Picks, to be honest. It, it really is, because this, this teams are really loaded. But is it me, or does it feel like, and again, I think CBS had the table set where they had the kids' table and the adult table. I mean, that's still a pretty fair bet here with – with A.B. and, of course, Gronk and, and Brady and, and a few other guys that have got some years under them and killers on the other side. You've got, of course, uh, the youngins, if you would, playing on the other side, Reggie. Yeah, it, it, this game, it, it's so funny. When you think about these teams, they're mirror images, right? Big, right. physical tight end, small, quick receiver, another big receiver on the other side, playmakers all over the place, a young back and an older back, Le'Veon Bell and – Clyde Edwards-Alaire, you know, you got Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette. Yeah, I know I'm calling Leonard Fournette the old guy out of that group. How about that? <laughs> but you start to look at this thing, and these are two teams that look the same. And the only difference is the quarterbacks are 20 years apart. Wow. That, to me, is, is the interesting part because it's tight end versus tight end. It's running back versus running back. It's receivers versus receivers. It's a quarterback versus quarterback. This is going to be an in- very intriguing football game coming up at 6.30 on CBS. I can't wait. As you heard, Reggie's got the Chiefs. Eugene's got the Chiefs. I'm hanging out over here, of course, with the Buccaneers. We'll get some more answers and some more picks throughout the rest of the week. But, Reggie, as always, man, uh, I'm going to try to get you back with us on Wednesday because there's some other stuff. And we always say it, but I'm going to hope it can happen as long as you don't have another thing to do. But thank you so much for always being a part of the pack, doing what you do here on Southern Sports Central, brother. Absolutely, guys. I appreciate it. And if I don't get a chance to talk to you, enjoy the Super Bowl, and we'll talk next Monday. We are. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. The man, the myth, and the legend all the way in Charlotte, North Carolina, formerly known as the man who played for Joe Pod, Joe Paterno, Penn State, Nittany Lions. Grew up right in Tennessee as uh, he played his high school ball days uh, there. Now we do have to be a, uh, a quick a quick break because we got to bring in the big men. That's right, the big offensive line coaches all the way from the upstate of the elite position training and coach jackson i believe we've got another coach with him hang tight we'll be right back you're listening to southern sports central live right here on southern sports central there is nothing more intoxicating than the meld of emotions and sensations that is friday night friday night is the sound of that crowd the pride of that community, the way that that grass smells. I've never felt in my adult life the way that I felt on Friday nights. That's what those kids are playing for. They're playing for that emotion. They're playing for that brotherhood and all of that sensory input that comes from Friday night. That's why they're playing high school football in this country. It is this common thread that weaves through the American fabric 
whether you live in Compton, California, or you live in Appalachia, if you played the game at the high school level, you have this common bond of representing that community. Anyone who disparages where the game is based on myriad reasons, I'm not buying it. I'm around the game every day on these campuses. I see the impact it has on these young men. I see the way that these coaches are able to grow high school boys into NFL or professional men, and it's just beautiful. Everybody, we're making some room because the big men are coming through on Southern Sports Central all the way from the upstate. We've got not one but two big men, one handling the offense, one on the defense. We'll start off, of course, welcoming Coach Jackson. He's with the elite position training. Good afternoon. Good evening, Coach Jackson. And, of course, Coach Train, all the way from Train Bent Performance. He's on the other side of the ball as we welcome him in from uh, Southern Sports Central side of life. Coaches, what's up? Yo, yo, what's going on, man? How's it going? We're good. So, so I'm going to do this, guys. That way we can direct some traffic, air traffic control. Coach Jackson, I'll start with you, and then Coach Train, I'm going to come your way as well. But first of all, guys, it's an honor to have you guys on Southern Sports Central. Looking forward to doing this more here in the off season, as that we'll have a little bit more time to prepare, educate, and entertain a lot of our listeners. But, you know, we got a big thing coming up here. Uh, Coach Jackson, in the uh, middle part of February, man, you're bringing some of that with you down here. I know there's a lot of parents that have asked me a lot of questions because, you know, they talk about these receivers. They talk about these defenders on the secondary quarterbacks, running backs. But, man, what about the big guys in the trenches? And that's where you two guys – do your work there. So, Coach Jackson, let's talk a little bit about this big event that you're bringing to Charleston. Hey, uh, definitely, definitely, definitely. Uh, really <clears throat> bringing the grind back down to the low country, man. Uh, really wanted to uh, really wanted to definitely, you know, set, set the bar high and uh, have, have actually been getting a few requests here and there about when I'm coming back, man, because I know there's so much talent down down in that low country area that it, a lot of hidden jewels. So uh, definitely want to bring that, that same uh, energy and atmosphere that we have here in the upstate uh, back down towards uh, that uh, low country area, you know? No, I totally agree. Now let's, let's make sure we specify here because I know one of you are on one side, one is on the other side, but you're working together to achieve the goal of getting our young men to the next level. Coach Jackson, your specialty on what side for our listeners who don't know uh, what side of the ball that you train on, Coach? Uh, I'm the defensive line uh, instructor for uh, EPT Football Academy, of course. Uh, just really from pass rush, run fits, uh, feet work, just pretty uh, a dynamic 
uh, area that uh, that I, I feel like I can bring I bring when it comes to uh, to the elite D linemen. You know, rather it's from a defensive end standpoint, or or, or more of those guys. You know, those run fit guys when it comes to those three technique nose guard trenches. You know. No doubt. And, of course, you've got some ballers I know for a fact. One particular that's going to be coming all the way from Sockasty that's going to be working out with you on this past on this weekend that we're going to be broadcasting live. We're actually going to do, the, do a show during your event there to, you know, have some conversations as these young men come in and off the field and uh, talk to some of those around the facility that you're going to be doing this at over there in North Charleston. So we're excited about that. So now we turn on the other mic, of course, and that is a coach who I've had a chance to know pretty well. Uh, as well, Coach Train over there with Train Built Performance. Coach, how's it going? Look, hey Chief, I appreciate the opportunity to be here. I, I think we got the names mixed up earlier, but uh, this is this is Coach Harrison from Hold Harrison's Office of Line Development. But I know oh, that well, we I talked about Coach. No, you you perfectly fine. Train Train has his uh, he has his guys kind of based out of that South Carolina region, kind of um, the lower country area, and I kind of focus more towards. The Charlotte and surrounding area in terms of where uh, I train office. I got yeah. you. Well, I apologize. got my information wrong. I do apologize. Well, break you it do. down, Coach. Uh, give, give us your history. Yes, give sir. us your bio and, and the info, yeah. how, you know, everything yeah. about you up to this point. Yes, sir. So, first and foremost, I always like to uh, invite people out to visit our website at wholebuilt.com. That's H O L D B U I L T.com. Um, that's where you can kind of look up a lot more of the resources in terms of the actual kids that I work with, um, as well as some of the things we're doing within the program and, and those type of things. But briefly about me, again, my name is Coach David Harrison, um, and I am from the Charlotte area. I went to school in uh, West Mecklenburg High School, graduated from there, played offensive line there, um, later went on to play offensive line at Elon University. Um, where I competed as a four-year starter, man, All-American, played there, had a great experience. And um, through that, through those uh, relationships, through playing the game and uh, ultimately wanting to stay engaged with the game, I got into coaching. And that's kind of what led the passion uh, to get into office alignment training. So now, you know, I'm in a fragile form. I'm down to about 235. So when you see me, you think I play DB. <laughs> uh, it's an easier conversation. I usually tell people that. Uh, but if it gets too intense, I'll just tell them to Google me. Uh, but the biggest thing about the uh, offensive line position for me is that it's a position that's definitely underserved and undervalued. Uh, coming from being um, a guy that grew up around good coaches in terms of mentors, um, but just kind of learned the game in terms of the technique aspect of it later, um, I really developed a true appreciation for the for the how of, of how you play the position of offensive line. So when I I went to Elon University. I played under some great uh, coaches in, in terms of offensive line guys that, that that really helped develop my skill in terms of a player uh, and, and understanding that technique from Rich Krause, uh, who was an outstanding offensive line coach for me, and then John Strollo, um, who a lot of people know in the offensive line industry in terms of, you know, and well-respected. Those are the guys that kind of coached me in college, um, as well as building great relationships with guys like, uh, Damian Robo, who's uh, up at JMU, and then obviously my guy, Coach Andy Marino, who's up at Elon Steel, and I, I carry a lot of great relationships uh, with those guys. But I really try to focus in on the technique aspect um, of developing a complete athlete in terms of the offensive line. 
hanging out with a couple of amazing guys that run the trenches, if you will. Of course, Coach Jackson will be hanging out with us down here in Charleston, South Carolina. That's going to be February 13th at 12 o'clock, February 14th at 10.30 a.m. Danny Jones Recreation Department will be there live on both days doing some stuff there with the coach and uh, having some conversation. Guys, i got to tell you, if you're looking to get better, it starts with you. You need to be involved in this if you're a lineman. Doesn't matter what side. Get over here. Get your work in. Get a workout. Go against some of the best guys, not only here in the low country, because we're going to try to get some guys from the Grand Strand. We're trying to get some guys in the Midlands to come down and uh, battle out here on a beautiful weekend that we're going to go ahead and speak it into existence coming up uh, in a few weeks. Now, Coach Jackson, let me come back to you. And, uh, again, I appreciate Coach Harrison being a part of this conversation here tonight. Guys, very very big when you get guys that have played the game they understand the game and they're giving it back to you which means they're taking it away from their families to do the things so that they can help you and your family so you want to make sure you show up show up early and uh, be prepared now that coach uh, you've been down here and again i saw you uh shoot it feels like just yesterday but it was over the summertime at the end where you came down and did a a, a camp down here with of course coach Chachi was down here of course he's a big defensive back coach over there with you guys over there at the uh EPT, and uh, just something about the energy that you bring that these kids just really adapt to, Coach. Tell us a little bit about how important it is that that connection with each one of these guys that you train because it becomes a family within a family, right? Definitely, definitely, definitely. Um, I mean, because, you know, just understanding how tight-knit and connected I was with, you know, my, my position coach, as well as the players that I play with, you know. Um, of course, you always going to have your, your your D-line with your D-line, O-line with the O-line, or uh, and so on and so forth with other positions. Um, so you, you wanted to definitely continue to keep that, that relationship. And it, it, it kind of goes beyond just, you know, the game of football or on the field. You know, we, we I definitely continue to, you know, check in on guys, make sure, you know, beyond – even their playing days, want to know what they're, you know, continuing to do. You know, even some guys I, I probably trained, I didn't train up to about seven years ago. We still keep in contact. They didn't have families now, you know. They have children of their own. So having that connection with these guys is definitely, you know, builds great character not only for myself personally, but uh, for those uh, behind them. It shows them that, hey, you know, this game brings more to them just just hitting or or uh, making a play on the field. It it, it kind of uh, goes hand to hand to hand when um, when you're doing this. You know, you you have you make life decisions. You you get uh you have life journeys with this game, and, and so my relationship, man, with with uh, with these guys, they're endless. You know, because I continue to want to see you know them strive beyond the game, just like myself. And uh, giving my opportunity, giving the opportunity to continue to give back, you know, to a state that I felt that gave me a lot and sacrificed a lot. So, so I definitely, you know, commends a lot of these relationships and how much we 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 gel so well together. Because, like Coach Harrison even mentioned, you know, definitely feel you know the trenches get overlooked. You know, it, I don't I don't necessarily feel we get the same respect of any other position just because we got to do the groundwork. We got to do the grunt work, you know. So uh, so that's why we, we definitely stay so tight tight together, you know. It's always the big boys together. 
and I'm always good with that, you know. <laughs> and it's usually why the good quarterbacks feed their uh, big offensive linemen. As I'm going to head back to Coach Harrison, let, let me ask you this, Coach. First of all, uh, again, we, we thank you for for joining us here again tonight. This is uh, the first of many for you as well, Coach. But you know, what is the difference, and what happens? So let's just say, for example, in high school, a kid's an offensive lineman, but then he goes to college and he's a defensive lineman. Give me the, the, the language there. How, how do you decide whether he's going to be an offensive lineman or a defensive lineman, and, and, and what makes him qualify to be one or the other uh, and separates the two positions there? Well, I'll handle this one if you go. I, I'll talk it. Um, so, for me, I think the, the biggest factor is just, you know, where the kid is in terms of, um, his ability to understand the concept of offensive line play, um, lack thereof athleticism, whether it's in certain things in terms of speed or whether it's in certain things, um, that would be the main thing in terms of like for me when I start looking at like speed of offensive linemen and, and how they move in space and are they playing on their toes. There's a lot of technical things that you kind of look at. You know, for me, I'm always looking at, how well does the kid play on his insteps? Or how well does he is he able to bend in his hips and in his ankles? Is his knee is he is he top heavy? Uh, does he play with wide hands? Does he have the ability to strike? Uh, does he play with long arms? Like you know, it's it, it's a lot of different concepts. I think the biggest thing is that when you're looking at offensive linemen, I think the the real deciding factor is when you start looking at whether a kid can play inside or outside because the O line D line uh, capabilities depending on the kid, could be different. Some kids can play both. Some kids are good enough to be legitimate, solid players at both positions, but some kids are better at one than the other. So when it comes to the O-line, D-line, you know, that kind of – it varies based on the kid. But the biggest determinant factor, I, I think, for me, is when you're looking at the difference between tackles and guards and athleticism and squattiness, frame, length, all those things that you have to see in order to know whether that kid has the tools to be a solid player. Now, I'm going to stick with you, Coach Harris, and I'm coming right back to you with this same question, Coach Jackson, so you're going to get a little bit of thinking time here. Now, I've noticed this in the last couple of years because, uh, you know, I've been around a lot of these camps more than the last, uh, say, three, four years, definitely the last year because of the way the season was shrunk, guys, with the COVID, and, and they pushed everything back. So these camps became a reality thing with a lot of different guys having to get in and, and get some things going on with Carolina Experience. Of course, uh you, you had other infinity football. They did their camp, of course, and then now you're starting to see a lot of other camps come out of this thing where these kids are able to get out. But I've watched a lot of your linemen on both sides here, guys, and I thought to myself after talking to one of the better wrestling coaches I feel in the state is Coach Tuck over at Somerville. I thought, man, that would be the best workout for an offensive lineman. So, Coach Harris first. Let me, Harrison, let me ask you this. Do you encourage your guys to wrestle? Yep, so it depends on the kid. And I say that based off of where the kid is athletically and where the kid is in terms of, of his development in the game of football. I say that because of this. If I have a kid that's overweight, you know, for the position in terms of whether he's a guard, a tackle, or a center, and he needs to work on concepts of flexibility, he needs to work on leverage concepts, which are always there, right? Those are things mm-hmm. that you're always going to need to work on, whether you're playing football or you're playing wrestling or you are wrestling. Um, when it comes to those type of things, you want to see that the kid um, 
needs those things, and therefore, therefore he needs to wrestle. If I have a kid that's longer and he's in shape, has good core strength, all right, and he's in shape, let's just say he's a 6'4", 255-pound uh, offensive lineman that bends really well, has good, good core strength, good flexibility, has good power. For him, he doesn't. He may not necessarily need to do it because if he drops any weight, that could put him in danger of being too low. And because of his needs, that's not something that automatically benefits him. I definitely think that wrestling is a huge benefit um, from the aspect that it that it provides to football players in general. Um, but I do think it comes on a case by case basis in terms of whether the kid actually needs the sport to develop things that he doesn't have or whether that kid needs to focus on developing the craft and the skills behind what they need to get better at in the game of football. So it depends. I like the answer now, Coach Jackson. I'm going to ask you the same thing, but I'm going to give you a caveat to this. Now, you always hear receivers are the basketball guys. They want those guys playing basketball. And the, 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 the baseball players are the quarterbacks. You know, the running backs are the track stars. You know, again, I go back to the, the linemen. Again, footwork, down low, the approach, the takedowns the roll-arounds, you name it, they're doing it. Your, your thoughts on that whole conversation that I just broke down to you when it comes to certain sports relative to certain positions on a football field after the game of football is, uh, is, is done that year? Hey, isn't it always typical that an offensive line, lineman always got to be <laughs> talk so technical? Like they all, I know. Like they know what they, like they know what they doing, right? We actually, man, we actually get out of here with that mess, you know. <laughs> but no, to, uh, to to break that down, I mean, to be honest, if you think about it, from a defensive perspective, we can we do all of them, and we're great at all of them at that. Because for a pass rusher, you know, track for example, being able to get out his blocks, but also being able to get out the same stand. You know, great leverage. Uh, your, your first step. How explosive are you? You know, and I and I definitely in a lot of my training, I do reference a lot of sports when it comes to this, even baseball. You know, uh, baseball, the way uh, you know the hips, the movement. You know, uh, proper knee to uh, movement and, and things of that nature. Boxing is another one that I continue to, of course, you know not expecting kids to do it in high school, but continue to reference boxing, um, the way that the hand use is properly used, you know, always protecting the chest and the body, uh, the face area, you know, when it comes to, you know, their pass rush sets or, or how violent they're, you know, using their punch. Um, like you talk about, even basketball, um, just being able to, to view everything that's, that's surrounding them, always having that peripheral vision, you know, be able to uh, manage manage quick muscles, manage to be able to take a first step and be and continue to be explosive from there right off the jump. Even if it's going up for a layup, a uh, three-point uh, shot, or dunk, same thing when, you know, you're in that twitch uh, in those trenches. You know, being explosive from, from ground level and spring right into an offensive lineman's chest, I mean, it definitely shows the same um, adversity, uh, diversity from a – from a D lineman when it comes to all sports starting to be put together. Um, as well as, you know, just talking about how the movement, the uh, the leverage when it comes to wrestling. I mean, I talk about that all the time. I even wrestled myself when I was in high school um, just for practice, just because I know how guys, you know, how they move, you know, always making, you know, 
precise decision making. So uh, those things, I feel like, you know, I, I continue to encourage those things to my guys and knowing like, hey, these things right here are not just meant for, hey, the receiver, the quarterback, the running back, you know. All that ties in back into, you know, the way we prep for, uh, for you know, practice, games, the way I tr- we train. So just de- the, the um, so much of that delivery of coming from other sports definitely makes, you know, makes grand and, and, and helps in such uh, great ways for, you know, defensive linemen because they can put all the – Put all those little little things that they have learned into one package and, and and be so be so dominant at that. And I and I definitely feel like you know once again getting overlooked because we can be so diversity diverse when it comes to our you know ability to play the game. So I mean, D linemen are best the best athletes hands down. Everybody knows that. <laughs> And guys, this is Eugene sitting on the other side of the booth from Richie. I got you a, are the I best got a question. <laughs> I got a question for both of y'all, and I'll start with Coach Harrison first, since he's kind of been on this and sounds like he's uh, been working on it. Uh, want to talk to you a little bit about, you know, you kind of brought it up with the weight, uh, and talk to you about uh, or ask you if you also consult with guys on nutrition. Now, uh, and what I want to say is. You know, are are you guys that that are numbers guys? Are you working the TDEs in the off season, during season? You get them on the protein synthesis diet, that kind of thing, so they can get that lean muscle. You know, are you pushing the the I call it if, if it flies or swims, put it in your body. If it walks or wallers, you know, the the beef and pork kind of go easy on that stuff. I mean, is, is that kind of the stuff you guys teach as well? Yeah, I, I definitely. I mean, speaking for myself, I definitely try to encourage my guys to eat. Um, the healthy as possible um, that they can while maintaining and in some cases gaining and in some cases losing. Um, you know, you work with a diverse group of kids and, and all of them have different needs. Like some need to gain, some need to lose, and some need to maintain. So I think, you know, again, you obviously have to recognize what it is that the kid that you're working with individually needs and then, you know, go about tailoring an approach. Um, that can be beneficial for the kids. You know, you partner that up with with their parents. You know, I think with the, especially with the group of kids that I work with, I have really good relationships with the parents um, of the kids that I train. So I've been really blessed in that um, in that in that regard in terms of being able to have people that you can go to and say, hey, these are some of the things that we need to work on with you know little Bobby. You know, these are the these are the concerns he needs to maintain this weight. We need to be working on a plan. And then I partner that up with places where I train the kids at, like Velocity. So a place where I train a lot of the kids out at, especially on Saturdays, I do group trainings every Saturday at Velocity in Charlotte. And I do those at 12 o'clock. And I have the the staff from Velocity, Jed's on it. Jed does a great job of having a team of people in the building. They really focus in on the sport nutrition, I mean, on the, uh, the sport and recovery side of things. So trying to provide those resources from people who are really experts in that field i think that's what you i think that's what you know we all try to strive to do and i think that what we can do is promote those healthy lifestyle options and promote those you know keeping up with everything that they need to keep up with and doing it the right way to gain weight nathan same question to you coach jackson uh of course me personally i'm not the expert in that so i, I don't necessarily uh will say so but i do you know, encourage guys like Coach Harrison um, mentioned 
to guys to, you know, do a great job at, you know, taking your body when it when it comes to nutrition. Make sure you're you're getting the proper fluids. And that's all and that's always seen that's like that's the main question at the beginning of each season though, right? You know, guys the first game of the season, guys do what? Cramping up. All right. What are they, you know, what have you and then it's not always about the fluids that you put in your body. It's about the food that you continue to put in, you know, that uh contains a lot of uh a lot of water that can help with that as well. So I definitely, um, you know, encourage my guys, you know, on and off uh, all season, you know, maintain a lot of, you know, not a heavy, a heavy uh, food appetite when it comes to your in season compared to your off season, you know, when you're having the the most time to be able to recover from a lot of this. Um, But as coach Harrison discussed, I get a lot of my, you know, information and got a lot of my guys towards uh Mike Johnson and his staff at uh D one here in uh Powdersville, South Carolina. With uh they guys do a great job with, you know, helping out with that and maintaining a lot of guys in their bodies. So uh even myself, I'm right back into the gym also and trying to you know so just trying to be that example as well is uh probably one of the main keys that I'm I'm doing you know, not only for myself, but also for the uh, guys that I train to try to be more of that example, you know, can't talk about it and not be about it, you know, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and the kind of the slippery slope I want to ask you guys about with the nutrition stuff is, you know, kids out here have access to the Internet and Amazon and, and, and I mean, GNC and all that stuff, you know. Uh, you know, do you guys mm. kind of try to tell these, you know, 16, 17-year-olds kind of lay off the supplements a little bit? Now, I know – uh, personally, working with all the big guys, you know, offensive line, defensive line, there's not a single one that I know that doesn't have a big jug of that whey protein stuff. They make the protein shakes and stuff like that. Um, uh-huh. But is it, you know, do you guys try to steer them away from some of these uh, synthetic supplements and things like that? You know, just because, you know, at their young age, their bodies are still developing and, you know, long term, we don't really know, you know, what some of those things can do. I mean, outside of the, the whey protein, I, you know, I, I, I've seen – Good reports. I haven't heard anything bad about that. And I know I've got a bunch of guys use the creatine uh, pre- and post-workout and stuff like that. Um, but, you know, what's your theory on some of these supplements these guys, high schoolers, like to kind of buy and, and pump up with, especially in the off-season? Uh, uh, you well, me, me personally, I, I, I don't necessarily say I go that route because, I, you know, I definitely talk to guys about, you know, making um, making decision more and towards their your, their foods that they eat that can help pretty much the same way. Um, I don't necessarily, you know, but it but it's not pretty much from talking to my kids, but like Coach Harrison said, talking to parents, you know, making them knowledgeable uh, because obviously those who are going to see them more and know more of their you know routine activities and things that they're doing. So they need, to, and I feel like you know they need to be more and uh, knowledgeable of what's going on, and understanding you know what may not to go go the route of or go the route of. So I try to talk more to to the parents about that and just give suggestions, of course, and because that, that's all it can be is advice. Um, you know, kids are you know these days, like you said, it's the social media. It's Pretty much, you can get anything and everything by the touch of a button. Right. So just, just definitely I, I, try to I, be cautious. 
And just to add on what Rashad is saying, I think that the other thing that's important is that it takes all of us, honestly, to be in these kids about those type of things because it's going to take, it's going to take like the, the, the consistency and the help of the entire surrounding uh, support system of all of these kids because these kids are going to get exposed to different options and different ways of doing things that people are going to suggest. And, of course, we're, we're condemning that these kids get caught up in, especially at early ages, getting getting involved in anything that's going to, you know, ultimately break the body down. We don't want them to, you know, we don't, we don't, we really don't even focus on those things, like in terms of like things that we even talk about that can help improve performance. Like we talk about the things that are, that that are, that you can directly go out there and do something about, not something that somebody can put in you. We talk about going out there and putting in the effort and putting in the work to actually be successful. So I know that for myself and I know that for Rashad, you know, we honestly don't even think about pursuing, um, you know, kids from the standpoint of pushing those things and and enforcing those things because we talk about the things that they can directly go out there and control. And that's what we try to do is promote nothing but, you know, positive stuff dealing with these young men and the way they treat their bodies. Hanging out in the trenches with Coach Jackson, of course, and, of course, Coach uh, Harrison here on Southern Sports Central. Wrapping up here, we're a little over top of the hour, coaches. Uh, First of all, I want to continue – having you guys in here because this is the time that we're training them up. We're getting them ready. We're not in the season and we're really quite frankly, have a chance to talk about the X's and O's, not just coaching the Jimmy's and Joe's. And that is what they're putting in their body. What's coming out of their body, the proper training to get ready for the season that's coming up guys. So we want to continue this, this uh, dialogue and table a lot of this for next week. If you guys, uh, and I'll touch base with both of you guys or coach Jackson, I'll reach out to you and we'll, put this together maybe once a week, you know, have you guys come in and and let's talk it up a little bit, guys. I think this is something that that needs to be happening here on not just this station, hopefully stations across the country, because again, you are both right when you say the guys in the trenches, you know, and if you heard earlier, which get ready, because you're getting to give me your prediction on the Super Bowl coming up on Sunday. I think the game is going to be determined in the trenches between the offense and defensive line between these two teams, because there's a lot of big names in any other positions, but I think the names that are going to stand out the tallest will be the guys in between, you know, the offense and the defensive lines here. So we'll start back with you, Coach Jackson. Uh, big game coming up Sunday night. You guys, of course, are going to be watching the big guys in the middle, but uh, when it's all said and done, Coach Jackson, who wins this Super Bowl down in Tampa? Uh, I, I, and be a former Clemson guy, and I know – Kansas City Chiefs got a, definitely got a few few guys on on that team that I continue to you know root for. Um, but I, I'll say this: if Kansas can lower the lower any big passes or big plays overall, I definitely feel the Chiefs can come out with a win. Um, just knowing that the Tampa Bay Bucks are hurting for you know two of their best corners. So, uh, I, I be honest, I'm thinking I'm going Chiefs route. Chiefs, Chiefs with a win. And I think it's going to be a high-scoring game, but – and I'm looking at in the in the, high, in the 30s, mid-30s to high 30s for both. So, uh, I'm definitely going with the Chiefs on this one. All right. Yeah. So, with Hicks, you, was, Coach uh, Harrison, who do you got? Yeah, I uh, – I, you know, I feel – I feel – that Rashad, you know, definitely said a lot of 
important things that I think they uh, I think that the the Bucks will definitely try to come out and establish the run game. I think that they're going to try to be um, the most physical mm-hmm. team um, up front, and they, and it's going to be a tough task because Kansas City definitely has. Um, some very talented players along that front. And like you said, I think that the game will definitely be decided in Tristan. But I also like, you know, the O-line of, Can- of Kansas City as well. My my granddad is a Kansas City fan, so, of course, um, on a respect level, I, I, I'm going to tell him I'm going for the Chiefs. But I think that I think that New England will end up pulling it off. But I do think it will be a high-scoring mid-30s game as well. I just see – I don't know. They got time with the, with, 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 with the time that he has had to develop a plan and with the experience that he has and the coaches that's around him, with the experience that they have and the players that they have to make plays, I just don't see him losing it. I'm going to go for Tom. Hey, I like to pick. That's who I picked, by the way. My pick, of course, was Tampa. I got him winning 49-38. It, it, to me, yeah. like you mentioned, Tom Brady's had a whole week now, over a week to get ready. He's got Brown coming back who did not play in – in Green Bay, Wisconsin. They went in Green Bay and won. This isn't the Buffalo Bills that they're going to be playing against coming up this Sunday. That's just my thoughts. And, again, you know, either either uh, Coach, you and I are going to look pretty good come Monday morning or Coach Jackson and, of course, uh, Reggie and Eugene are going to look like some heroes. But we'll figure it out on Monday. But before I cut you guys both loose, uh, Coach Jackson, quickly, we will be with you on, the course, the 13th and the 14th as you guys will be over at Danny Jones in North Charleston, 1455. Monitor Street, again, that's one of the old. And, I mean, there's a lot of big names that have come through that facility. And if I sat yes. here and gave you the names, yes. it'd take the rest of this show. But, man, we're excited. How do they get in touch with you? How many uh, positions available? And uh, what do they need to do to get a, uh, get a spot? Uh, definitely reach out to uh, the social sites that I do have on. You can catch me at uh, either on my IG at uh, DLCoach91. Or even reach out to my other one, uh, Battle of Ours, which we we co we co own on the uh, Battle of the Big Carolina um, yeah. IG as well, yeah. and and you can also <laughs> uh, reach me on Twitter at uh, DL uh, DL Instructor ninety one, also or even get get at my uh, email address, it's uh, DL Coach RJ ninety one at gmail dot com. Um, so definitely reach out, get get more detail and information. I definitely have that for them. Um, it's going to be exciting, guys. So I, I definitely hope to see everybody out there. And I also want to mention, uh, we also are having hosting a uh, battle of the big uh, for the Carolinas all together. You know, me and Coach Harrison. This is how we definitely got more involved in what we're doing today and uh, wanting to get the big boys more of the credit. Um, because you go to all these camps and everything is centered about who either is going to get an interception or a touchdown. Well, mm. guess what? I want to see the I want to see the big guys grind. I want to see who can move swiftly in their hips and great feet work. I want to see those who mirror well with great feet technique, hand hand driven. So uh, me and Coach Harrison definitely partner up and bringing something to the Carolinas that I feel no one has seen or will be able to match, you know. And I know Coach Harrison definitely is going to put more on to that. No doubt. Coach Harrison, let me give you an opportunity. Of course, you come in uh, with the other side, the offensive line. Of course, you're part of the holdbuilt.com. 
side of life. Yep. You're in Charlotte, North Carolina, but you're going to be bringing it. And, guys, all I can think of is a shirt that was said, handing out pancakes and sack of potatoes. It depends whether you're on the defense or the offense. But, you know, Coach Harrison, <laughs> kind of give us a rundown on, on your thoughts. And, again, uh, we look yeah. forward to having you part of our family going forward. Yes, sir. Well, uh, first and foremost, I definitely want to say thank you for the opportunity. Uh, you know, yes, I yes. reached out to him and said that, uh, you know, it'll be the opportunity for us to get on and talk a little bit about what we do, and I definitely appreciate that. And, uh, you know, I look forward to continuing to be able to get on here. Uh, my information in terms of getting in contact with me, uh, the Twitter is at whole2017, um, H-O-L-D-2017. The Instagram um, is at whole2017 as well. Um and again, the website is wholebuilt, H-O-L-D-B-U-I-L-T dot com. If you need to email me, you can email me at whole, uh, not not a at, <laughs> but wholebuilt at gmail dot com. Um, so those are the contact informations for me. I'll be training. Uh, so while Rashad will be doing that this weekend, we actually are partnering together up in Charlotte this weekend at uh, Bailey Middle School. Uh, and, and doing a little O-line, D-line uh, training session this weekend so he can kind of yes, get his yes. stuff together for this weekend. Uh, <laughs> so we're going to be doing that this weekend, and, and, and that'll be wild. Um, but, again, I train out of the South Carolina region as well. I do a lot of stuff with the EPT family. I'm really good with all those guys, Ramon and, and the rest of the EPT fam. Uh, all those guys are, are brothers to me as well. So, I definitely look forward to continuing to get down in the South Carolina region a lot more and uh, just providing that service to the young guys. So anybody that's interested in your old linemen, um, getting some quality work in, learning some technically sound uh, fundamentals, getting in, getting involved with a group of guys that's dedicated to being the best um, of their abilities. And at the end of the day, I always tell the kids, my goal is to maximize your abilities. And whatever that is for you, I want to maximize that. So. That's a little bit, man. I look forward to the next time we get on here. I appreciate it. Well, we got to bring you back next week, guys, because we got to recap our picks here. So, again, guys, on behalf of all of us, all of you, and, and to your families, thanks for the time that you take away to your family to give to our, our athletic families here. And, again, the, 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 huge, the huge effect that you guys have already had, I can tell. And, and, again, I know a lot of guys that probably work with you as well, Coach Harrison, but I know a handful of guys, if not more, that directly worked with you, Coach Jackson, that, that, again, I got a chance to watch you firsthand. And when I knew you were coming to town, man, I, I told you when you left, we talked in the park, I said, man, anytime we can be a platform, a voice for you guys, man, this is what it's for. I'll shut my mic down and turn yours up. And, again, guys, safe travels this weekend and every other weekend that you guys go out and train up our athletes, guys. Thank you again. Thank you, uh, Thank you. you. We definitely blessed. appreciate it. Stay blessed. There you go, guys. Always a pleasure. When you get not one but two of the big men to come in here and talk some football, man, it doesn't get much better than that. We're going to hang tight. Usually, I'd go to break, but because we came on at 6.30, we're going to try to push it to 9.30. Eugene may or may not have to jump loose. I know he's got a lot going on, but I believe we've got a man coming in here in just a little bit. I'm going to give him a nice introduction because I think we're heading to Edisto beach eugene when you know what that means that means we're heading out to a man who uh well quite frankly runs the beach on that end of town let's give him a nice introduction
like that, ladies and gentlemen, we're hanging out with the godfather of Edinburgh Beach, the guru. What's up, big man? I'm digging the NWO theme song. I figured you were, man. Hey, anybody that's a friend of Davos, I guess he's a friend of mine, right? I mean, this is the only guy I know that laid up in the hospital, and Davo called him literally on his hospital phone as we're sitting there. I thought it was an incredible conversation. On Christmas Day. <laughs> What's on your mind? I know you're going to pick Tom Brady, by the way. You're a patriot. You you're following it, him. I'm going to call him to you and Tom Brady all the way, man. All the way. What's the score? You got a score? I know. It don't give me that garbage of 40 points because you know it ain't going to be – it shouldn't be a blowout, should it? 28-21. 28-21. Man, I tell you, yeah, I got to love this because it's a lot of fun – to talk to you, of course, your passion for the game, and, and of course, but but you got you're going to go against Sammy Watkins, the receiver for the Chiefs. Really, you're going to go against one of your own guys? But like you said, this is this is not Buffalo. Yeah. On the other I hand, this is not Green Bay. This is not Green Bay, and they're not playing Buffalo. You're right about that. <laughs> Man, yeah. Well, they don't have to go far. They're going to go home anyways. It's going to be hard to beat them in the home stadium. I'm saying that. I mean, so? it's the home stadium. I mean, and it's Tom Brady. I, I mean, he 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 performs best on the big stage. Does he really? You think? Yeah. Well, I think he performs best anywhere he goes. I mean, let's just be honest. Yeah, with he him. Does. He's got. <laughs> I mean, he's got Antonio. He's got Brown coming back, who, by the way, wasn't in Green Bay. He's got Gronk, who all of a sudden is starting to make videos again like he was back in uh, New England. And, of course, you see the, the vibe he's given off. And, of course, uh, he's got a few other pretty good receivers that he's introducing each play after play. But here's the thing. Godfather, I got to ask you. He, I, I don't know if he survives with three interceptions against the guy that runs the show on the other side for the Kansas no. City Chiefs, man. I, I don't think he gets away he's with three interceptions tight. like he did in Green Bay. He's got to tighten up, man. If he hits him in the chest, he needs to catch the ball. His receiver needs to tighten up. And if he gives it to him, he needs to catch it. Yeah, but he was hitting other guys in the chest on the other side of the field. Did you watch the game, Green Bay? He went. That wasn't his best game. He threw. He probably could have thrown a few more interceptions. Yeah. Yeah. But they're going to have to beat the Packers. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let me. <laughs> that was a good one. Yeah, that was. Not my favorite moment there. Let me ask, what's going on with your Tigers in basketball? My God. You guys were 12th in the country. Like now you guys are like playing like you're Kentucky or, or North Carolina. You're not, you're not very good. Well, we were good to begin with, and then look what happened. I mean, I don't know what happened. <laughs> I mean. Do you talk to that coach I much? Maybe he guy, should call I you. I love the guy to death. But yeah. all of them, but, but um, what's his name? Brad Bonnell does this every year. He we start out good, then we can't, then we just go to you know what? Yeah, it's not good. Not good. There's a lot of people. Year. What happened? It happens every year. We start every out year. good, and then we just can't do nothing. Mm. I, I tell mean, you we'll what, though, he just start off strong, though. We win big games, and we can't win little ones. Yeah, well, yeah, your football team should do that. But now look at your football teams. Win it, well, minus this year, but, you know, can't win them all. That's what you said last time, right? Can't mm-hmm. win them all. Mm-hmm. 
Well, let me ask you, your baseball team, have you been tracking old Monty Lee over there in Clemson, man? Are you guys going to have a good season this year? Things look pretty good over there for your, uh, for your Tigers in baseball? Hopefully. You, you saw my Gamecocks just uh, signed a series up with Texas and Austin. That's a big Ooh, that's deal. That's a big one. That's a big one. Yeah, that's old. That's that's World Series caliber count. Kind of say, I just hope Kingston well, can play. I just hope we can we can ball out and show out like we're supposed to. I, I don't know. I don't know what we got. Well, I know one. Thing. I know one thing. The first weekend of September, I'll be in Charlotte to see uh, my Tigers beating them Bulldogs. You think y'all beat the Bulldogs? You don't have your quarterback anymore. He's gone. But your whole defense is coming back, right? Your entire defense is coming back. Yes, and we got the Hawaiian bow. (laughs) DJ, DJ's the man. (laughs) That's what you're going to label him, the Hawaiian? I love it. Eugene, what do you think about the Tigers coming back next year, man? I mean, they got their whole defense coming back. They got – he called them the Hawaiian coming back. I mean, you know – they don't have – it's the running backs gone too, right? I mean, that gentleman from Louisiana, Eugene, didn't he lead too? Is it, didn't he – I think he probably graduates by now. Yeah, Etienne's uh, service at Clemson University is up. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, they bring back uh, – the biggest thing I think is going to be, you know, uh, how we saw we saw a microcosm of Uwe right. uh against Notre Dame. Uh, you know, it will be a full oh, season. Uh, you know, will, will he struggle or will he be – you know, throw for 450 yards like he did in that game. I mean, he didn't cost them that game against Notre Dame. That was at the end caused, uh, you know, a turnover and a couple other things. And, you know, so many defensive starters were out in that game. They started four true freshmen uh, on defense. So, you know, I think a lot of it's going to come down to the quarterback play, uh, you know, and, and some of the holes. You know, they got a lot of holes to fill a receiver. Now, we know they recruit uh, like crazy. Mm. Uh, you know, they got a big-time receiver coming back who probably would have been, you know, one of the top draft picks this year who's, you know, hopefully coming back from an injury. Um, but, you know, every year I think that Clemson's going to drop off and then they don't. So, right. I'm, not, I'm definitely not going to bet against them for sure. Yeah, no doubt about that. You're not going to bet against them. Dabble always has these guys that we don't know about that are really good. And all of a sudden we're like, dang, he's good. <laughs> Next man up. Next man up. I tell you what, man, it's always a pleasure, man. Now two weeks in a row, I think we've got a trend here. Uh, is, uh, I'm expecting, by the you way. You told me. You, you, I got you, Bo. I know. Keep on coming, brother. We got you. We got tons to talk about. Monday, of course, uh, a week from today, we'll be talking about whether my pick and your new Tom team, Brady your, wins. Your, your Tom Brady wins by, uh, by the score there that he gave us. Now, of course, uh, that evens it out, by the way, because Coach Harrison, myself, and the Godfather picked uh, those pack. Excuse me, I'll miss some Packers for you. <laughs> the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, <laughs> and of course on the other side, Reginald Walker Jr., Coach uh, Jackson, and Eugene have already gone with the guys at Kansas City. So it's going to be a good win. Godfather, man, we appreciate you. We got to go to a break. I got some kids coming in Richie. from around the state hey. that have made some commitments. Richie, what's up? Godfather out. Later, brother. There. Look at there, and we're going to give him a nice little intro, uh, little exit strategy here, but uh, always a pleasure uh, hanging out with the Godfather as he uh, does an incredible job educating us, entertaining us, and bring us some entertainment here on the show, guys. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back. When we do, we're heading to Dutch Fork. This man's got more rings on one hand than some have 
ever imagined. He just made a commitment, I believe, today to where he's going to be taking his talent in 2021. That coming up and hopefully many more guys that have been making some big-time commitments right after this break, guys. Don't go anywhere. Southern Sports Central Live right here on southernsportscentral.com. Blog Talk Radio. A few more good avenues around the world of social media, guys. We'll be right back.
back to Southern Sports Central as you're listening to the band known as Benedict College Marching Band, Band of Distinction. Of course, who's going to get a chance to listen to this band on a regular basis in the stadium up there at Benedict College? Better, of course, bring him in right now, Mr. Shaman Price, the big man with the commitment just hours ago to become a Tiger as he, of course, has spent his high school Time over there as a big-time difference maker and a shaker around for Dutch Fork. Shimon, welcome back to the show, buddy. See if we can get Shimon on here with us. Shimon, you with us, buddy? Eugene, I'm going to see if you can take him over to the green room and see if we can somehow pick him up here, buddy. For some reason, we're not able to hear him but just earlier today he was one of many i mean one of many that jumped in here with us and uh started to kind of put some things in order and that was uh making a big time and i mean a big time decision to uh, become part of the uh, conversation that we're having here tonight with uh a lot of commitments that were made here just today and uh we're really excited uh, about that now having him commit earlier today uh, gave us an opportunity to get him in here hopefully in just a little bit but he did commit uh, to uh, Benedict College where uh, he'll be furthering his education he went off on his commitment letter earlier today Uh, again it was about six hours ago and said first off I'd like to thank God for all the blessings that he's uh, gave me giving us giving me a chance to follow my dreams and play at the next level second off I'd like to thank my family and all the love and support Y'all gave me being there throughout the up and the downs. I want to thank the coaches for believing in me since the day one, pushing me to be the best player on and off the field. I will always care with me the wisdom and guidance and the lessons y'all taught me. Now, we went on to also have other conversations in this letter that, honestly, I got to tell you, for a young man who has proven himself on the field, and we can't wait to see what he does on the field uh, over at Benedict. I, I believe we've got him now with us. Shaman, you with us, buddy? Well, we'll try to get him to call back in here in just a little bit. Eugene, I'll bring you back in here. I know this young man uh, hopefully can call back in. He's a part of the class of 21 student athlete, Dutch Fork High School, top five offensive lineman in the state of South Carolina. I believe if he doesn't have five, he's got four, but he's got a ton of state championship rings on his hands. And uh, I do believe we called back in. Let's see if we got you with us. Shabon Price, you with us, buddy? Yes, sir. There you go. All right, buddy. Man, I don't know if you got a chance to hear. We played the band for you, man. We struck up the band. And, again, some of the best horns you'll hear in college football are right up there where you're going to be playing football on Saturday at Benedict, man. Congratulations. Uh, Thank you. Thank you. So tell us, man, uh, for the listeners who are getting a chance to get to know you for the first time, winning state championships, just kind of what you did in your journey to getting to Benedict College, man. You played for a coach, and again, congratulations. You won the state championship again this year. But uh, we had your coach with us about a month or so ago, man, and, and, and he had some great things to say about you. And I'm not surprised that this day has become a reality, man. But but why Benedict, man? What is it about Benedict that, that you fell in love with and you decided to not only play football, but further that education to get that degree that you're going to be chasing as well. Um, Benedict, when I visited him, 
I, I felt like I was at home. And being there has a whole brand new coaching staff, and I just felt like they just believe in me, and they want me to come so badly. And they saw me as a state championship, a state champion. They see that I could lead the way for their program to win ball games and win the national championship. And I just feel at home. The coaches believe me. The coaches stick with me throughout the whole season. And I just felt like that was the best best decision for me and my family. Talking to the big man, Shaman Price, class of 21 student athlete. He'll be signing on the line. Will you be doing that, I guess, on National Signing Day on Wednesday? Is that is that already kind of set up for you to do and join the national festivities of uh, the big day for you guys? Yes, sir. I'll definitely be signing on Wednesday Wednesday morning. Now, how many – is it four? Is it five? How many state championships rings do you have, by the way, Shaman? Uh, rings, I got three. My fourth one is coming in this spring. But totally That's the one that you won just like this year. Sir? Wow. I said that's the one that you won just this past year. It just takes a little while for this thing to get put together, huh? Yes, sir. All right, man. So let me ask you this, man. In all the success you've had, you know, you talk about the trials and tribulations, man. What are some of the things that you've learned in your time over at Dutch Fork? I mean, I know that we talk about your wins, and, and those are the good moments. But we all know that you've had some tough days. All athletes go through them. What are some of the things that you have kind of, I, I would say, picked up along the way, some, some, some tough stories that you've been able to kind of get through that you're going to carry with you when you go over to Benedict and represent you and your former and course a lot of the guys that are going to be watching you over there at Dutch Fork. Um, Dutch Fork, it taught me to be, um, it taught me to get outside my comfort zone and and be a leader for the team because when I was hurt my senior year, um, I was going through a lot of ups and downs, but my teammates and my coaches kept pushing me every single day. And I believe that I put the work in the training room, and I just feel like my brothers need me to win, to pull out and stay strong because they're looking at me as a leader. So, like this year, it just taught me a whole lot of mental stuff, like mental toughness, and that's why it provides that. It gives you that mental toughness to be great as a uh, as a leader and as a player and as a um, player off the field. And throughout these four years, Coach Nice, he taught me, on what, how to face through adversity, how to win games, do your job, and, and just take every play at a time. Don't worry, don't worry about on one play you mess up. Worry about the next play, because you're not only responsible for like, uh, you, you ain't only responsible for him, but you you got your birds on your back and your birds are looking at you. And I just saw that being a leader was the biggest um, goal and the biggest thing for me that I learned from Dutch Ford. Now, we're talking to the man who's got four, count them up, four state championship rings. He's part of a huge dynasty up there in Columbia, South Carolina, and Irmo, to be exact. Dutch Fork High School's own class of 21, Shaman Price, who has committed as of six hours ago to Benedict College. Now, Shaman, you and I had this conversation off the air, and we've had a, a few times here on the air. Man, it was quiet there for a while, very scary for a lot of you guys and a lot of your brothers in the class of 21, not just at Dutch Fork, but across the country where a lot of guys aren't getting this opportunity, but all of a sudden it was like, you know, when it rains for a few days and you see the sun started to shine and 
Next thing you know, it shines a little brighter and a little bit brighter. That kind of felt that way for you, I would imagine, after it being kind of quiet for a minute, and then all of a sudden, opportunity started to prevail itself, man. Tell me about how this kind of felt as you saw the one side of not having a whole lot of conversation to a lot of it and actually having to make a big-time decision today. This year, this year was really hard um, due to COVID, and you had to adjust a lot of things. This year also taught me to stay positive because in the the tunnel, there's light. And for me, there was light because in the beginning, I didn't see that light because I was hurt. But I kept praying, staying positive, and and surrounding myself with great people around me to be successful. And this is how I got here to this moment. Yeah, no doubt. We're excited to be a part of the conversation today as you committed earlier today. Now, you're going to be protecting a lot of quarterbacks, but you're also going to be protecting your future by getting a college education, Shaman, man. So degree-wise, what are we looking at to educate ourselves while we're doing a few big things on the football field? What is the big thing in the classroom that you're going to lean towards at this point uh, as you uh, chose the college you chose this morning? Uh, But in it, it showed me, like, what all they have to offer. And, like, the two majors that I'm really considering going, um, studying is computer science and sports management. And I just feel like they have the great education and the great teachers and professors. They 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 can help me lead to success to get my degree in four years. Well, I'm looking forward to watching you continue to not only be great on the field and, and, and is to also to be great off the field. And I had this conversation with a young man earlier today who's trying to decide where he's going to spend his next three or four, maybe five years, because you just never know God's plan when it's all said and done. I tell this same story. The, the God's got a greater plan. I know it's, it's going to be bigger than the game of football. He's just using a lot, utilizing football to get you to where he needs to get you. But I'm proud of you, man. I appreciate your your passion for the game on and off the field, your leadership, which, again, I, I've had a chance to watch you play multiple times uh, as you guys would play against Somerville. I watched you play against Fort Dorchester as well. And uh, I know whatever you do, wherever you go, you're going to be successful, man. I know your family's got to be ecstatic, man. What was family? What was the family like uh, when you decided to make that decision and, and, and hit that sin button committing to a college? Uh, we celebrated because it was, just, it was finally over. This recruiting process was stressful. Some nights it was just hard to make a decision. Some nights you got to know, like, what school has the better option and what's the best plan for you and your family's success. Because at the end of the day, I'm trying to be a great football player, but also getting my, getting my degree. So just today it just felt like so much relief and happiness. And it's finally, I just finally made a decision that I really feel passionate for, and I'm going with it. So, been in the college, go Tigers. That's me. There you go. Well, I'll let you in with that, buddy. Congratulations. Enjoy Wednesday. I know the family is going to be excited to watch you sign on that line and do some big things, brother. But, again, we're proud of you here on Southern Sports Central. I know everybody across the state is pulling for you, going forward. And, like you said, go Tigers. And I'll catch up with you off the air. We look forward to getting you back on the air after the signing day is coming on, big guy. appreciate you hanging out tonight. Yes, sir. Thank you all for having me. Always a pleasure, ladies and gentlemen. The big man is heading to Benedict College. And I tell you this, to tell you this, Eugene, here's the thing. It's a simple fact, is that you keep grinding, you keep working, 
You keep pulling the back, the, the layers of the onions. You keep putting in all the extra work and the big things happen for a big man who, of course, uh, 6'3", 295, that grade point average are out 3.2. He's an all-state Midlands team guy. He's a top five offensive lineman around the state here and, again, continues to do big things and off the field as well. But uh, just a, a great story uh, on Shaman Price, who very quiet, right, very humble, but very hungry, and, and you're seeing his reward come in big fashions with going to a place like Benedict College where he can have a huge impact, I think, right away, Eugene. Yeah, I agree. I remember we had him on uh, a couple months ago. Uh, you know, we were talking about those uh, rings, man. I tell you, it's uh, <laughs> guys play this game all their life, you know, hoping to win that final game, and he's had that opportunity now four years in a row. It, you know, it's a testament to, you know, like what he puts into it because, you know, for a program like Dutch Fork, uh, big time 5A football, the highest, uh, you know, classification in the state of South Carolina, you know, th- there's no shortage of guys who, who come out to try out for that team, uh, guys that have gone on to big time football. we got guys in the NFL, guys playing in the AC- AFC championship last weekend from Dutch Fork High School um, with the Bills. Uh, for him to be able to make that varsity team uh, and win four state uh, four state championships, man, that says a lot to the kind of dude he was going back when he was 13, 14 years old and, and to what he is today. For him to say, you know, his senior year probably was one of his hardest because, you know, he had to mentally develop and work on, you know, uh, get mentally tougher and stronger. You know, I'm sure his coaches listening in uh, there at Benedict, that, that's music to their ears, a guy that's kind of been through the trenches, uh, for that program, you know, because a lot of people probably on the outside look at that program and think it's plug and play, much like a Clemson, where, you know, you show up, you, you lift weights, you go out, you make some plays, and you win a championship. It's not that simple. It's not that easy. Uh, and he can attest to that as he has before and just now. And, that uh, you know, it, it's a grind. It's not easy to win. Winning is hard. Showing up is easy. But to put in that work, you know, he mentioned battling through injuries and some stuff like that. And, uh, you know, to come out on top, you know, it's a testament to his character uh, more so than his physical ability, uh, which obviously we already know he has. So uh, it's a big deal, man. And, um, you know, even bigger, the young man gets to stay in state. And uh, that's pretty cool. We always, you know, not everybody's going to, you know, go to one of the in-state schools. We get that. There's a lot of things that a lot of programs out of state that attract guys. And so, um you know, for those that can find a home in state, more that's more kudos to them. You know, the family gets to see you play a little bit easier for the family to get to see you play if you play in state. Uh, you know, and so uh, when those roster spots come open and those colleges come calling, you know, we like to see that because we like to keep a lot of our talent uh, in the state of South Carolina so that when they can graduate, whether if it's they go on to the NFL or, or to the workforce or whatnot, that they can contribute and also give back and uh, and uh, continue to develop the future of guys in state and to give back to the community. So big uh, big ups to him, uh, to his program, to Coach Knotts and all those guys at Dutch Fork, uh, and, and to Mr. Uh, Shimon's family, you know, for the love and support and guidance and uh, being there for him and going through uh, this journey with him. Yeah, I mean, it's a big deal. And, and like you mentioned, you know, not only does he stay in the state, he doesn't even go far away from home, really, because Benedict, not that far away, you know, from, from where he's at there in Columbia. So that's kind of a, a trip down the road. I mean, literally, you can make it in, in a few minutes. 
not hours, not days, not weeks. It, it, it's kind of, you know what, you, you kind of get down there and you need to do what he needs to do. But for me, knowing his strength and conditioning coach, knowing his, uh, his head football coach, knowing a lot of the parts and pieces there on that staff, you know, you, you see the drive. You understand the, the calls and, and, and everything that's put together for me. You know, these guys, yes, they've won five in a row. I get that. But that didn't come as easy as many people may think. They say, well, they're a dynasty team. They got great things. But it comes with putting in great work. You know, the one thing that, that, that we talked to, you know, uh, his head football coach who came in here about a month ago, and he said this many times prior to, and, and that is he doesn't worry about his kids coming to practice. As a matter of fact, they're early. They stay late. They work hard. They don't quit. I mean, you see a guy right now at Tennessee, you know, right now, Jalen Hyatt, who, who graduated a year ago, right, has already made a big impact. Why is that? Because the things that he learned when he was at Dutch Fork, he carried that with him to the University of Tennessee, and he's becoming a, a, a face on social media on a regular basis, even in the offseason. Shaman's going to be the same way. This is a kid that travels really, I, I mean, at a high level of, of intensity on that offensive line. And for me, you know, that – is kind of like we just had in here. Matter of fact, with Coach Harrison, who coaches the offensive lines from holdbuild.com over there in his group, it's a big deal. And it holds a huge, a huge opportunity as of course. So we look forward to watching Shimon go forward. We got another caller hanging out here on 774. Let me go over there to the hotlines and welcome you to Southern Sports Central. Who's with us? Hi, yes. My name is Matthew E. O'Neill and I'm the number one ranked editor for Everpedia.org. It's an internet encyclopedia set based out of California. I also have a two-year college degree from the Community College of the Air Force. I graduated when I was 22 years old. That college is accredited by the Southern Association of Colleges and Schools. Uh, oh, the reason well, for the, the call show. is, uh, yeah, a lot of people don't realize, but the WBA crowned new heavyweight champion a few days ago. His name was Trevor Bryan. Trevor Bryan won the WBA World Heavyweight Championship on January 29th when he beat Bermain Stiburn. Uh, the card was promoted by Don King Promotions out of Hollywood, Florida, which is also a southern state. So I just want, wanted to call that to the attention of the viewers. There was a new heavyweight champion promoted by Don King Promotions. His name is Bermain, I'm sorry, his name is Trevor Bryan. And he is 31 years old and he is, he is from New York. Oh, wow. Okay. So where are you calling from, sir? Just real quick, we appreciate your, your reaching out to us tonight. Yeah, my name is Matthew O'Neill. I'm from, I am from Plymouth, Massachusetts. Right now, I'm Everpedia.org's number one ranked editor. It rivals oh. Wikipedia, ex- except it has enhanced capabilities like video capabilities and an enhanced reference section. So the site is superior oh. to Wikipedia. I'm also an ex-athlete. I beat Preston Hartog and Jeffrey Knockin in USA Boxing back in the 90s. Knockin was on LSU Baseball twice. Oh, wow. I just wanted to let the viewers know that Trevor Bryan is is right now 31 years old, and he's undefeated. And he uh, was 21 wins, zero losses, and has 15 KOs. And it kind of did not get that much media publicity, but he actually became champion by the WBA days ago. I've been contact with Don promotions. I I articles for them. So I just right. wanted people people to know about this fighter and he he's a good a really good heavyweight undefeated. It did not get that much media publicity. ESPN and a few of the major 
you know, stations did not really cover it like they should have. Gotcha. Well, I tell you what, if you'll tag us at SO Sports Central on Twitter, I'm sure you're on Twitter as well, we'd be happy to, to, to help promote this and, and push this as well. And, and uh, we appreciate you calling in tonight to give our listeners uh, an opportunity to educate them a little bit. Again, boxing, a big-time sport. And, uh, you know, I think it's kind of a lost sport that doesn't get as much advertisement as it needs. And if the viewers can check out Everpedia.org, my name is Matthew E. O'Neill. They would like the site. It's vastly superior to, to Wikipedia. Gotcha. We appreciate it, Ms. Matthew, and enjoy the rest of your night. Appreciate the call. Okay, well, thank you. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Look at there. How about that? We reached out to Massachusetts. Man, that's a, that's a big-time deal. Eugene, I don't, I'm not sure. What that, <laughs> that caught me off guard. I was like, I was sitting there waiting. I was waiting. I was like, oh, God, what's, he, what, what's happening? But, again, hey, look, you never know who's going to call in and who's listening to the show is this gentleman evidently all the way from Massachusetts checking us out tonight and uh, wanted to educate us on, um, he said Don King promotes this young kid who's undefeated. He said, you know, early thirties. Uh, that's impressive. Again, bas- you know, football is, is something that we don't, you know, we, we talk a lot about basketball and all this, but boxing again, uh, you know, uh, is a sport that, that has its own thing going on uh, as well. I know MMA is kind of taking the highlight of that. And of course, um, that's a whole other show and another day, but uh, man, your thoughts on that call, Eugene? That's kind of interesting, and you know, I'm surprised, <laughs> being that you know, uh, a couple of years back, uh, a guy did start up a boxing gym in downtown Charleston, and you know, it kind of seemed like it was going to take, take up some speed, uh, pick up some speed. Now, it, it that actually might be a good deal if somebody wants to get into that. Uh, I haven't heard anything. I don't know if it went under or what, but. Uh, you know, there might be some kids around here that uh, could get into that, and uh, we might have a thing around here for boxing. I tell you, you know, these kids, and I don't, uh, I'm making jokes about everybody, you know, wants to throw hands and stuff, but, you know, boxing <laughs> is a heck of a sport. You know, that takes a lot of stamina. It's more than just, you know, showing up in a parking lot, you know, behind a building and, and quote-unquote, throwing, throwing hands. You know, you got to be uh, very, very disciplined in that sport. Uh, I used to travel a lot to the Caribbean for work, and, Boxing is huge in the Caribbean. Um, you know, it's right up there with basketball, swimming, and cricket. And so, and, and Steelers football. <laughs> little known fact, Steelers football is very, very popular. Of course, now, basketball took off in the Caribbean. Uh, everybody, uh, as soon as you got south of Miami, were huge, huge San Antonio Spurs fans. And that was because, um, you know, the big man grew up on St. Croix. Uh, and, and actually, Dave Odom happened to be in a tournament in Puerto Rico where uh, where the big man was uh, playing at, at high school ball from St. Croix. The reason he got into basketball was Hurricane Hugo destroyed all the pools in St. Croix. So that's why Timmy Duncan picked up the round ball and started dunking basketballs. But you know, so basketball is pretty big when the Spurs, when Timmy Duncan was playing uh, down there. The Steelers are pretty big. Football-wise, uh, Ben Roethlisberger is a part owner of a, uh, a beach bar or was down in St. Croix. Uh, but other than that, man, boxing is huge. You go into, you know, I was in a lot of uh, attorneys' offices and things like that, man. You go in there and you look on the conference table and, you know, the coffee table in their offices and you see a couple things. You see a couple of magazines. One's always Cigar Aficionado and then uh, the big boxing magazines, man, that it's actually a big thing. So I'd be curious if uh, somebody wanted to get it going, if there would be a, 
that'd be a pretty good event here in Charleston if we had some boxing matches. You know, it, it might be a fun afternoon or a fun evening to go sit there and watch some uh, watch some rounds. What do you think? I think you're right, though. I do also think we got a caller over there at the 937 area code. Good afternoon, or should we say good evening? Who's with us? Hey, what's up, man? Uh, it's Tim. Big Tim hanging out with us from Ohio, but don't get that twisted. He's a big-time Oklahoma Sooner hanging out in Buckeye country. Yep. As uh, Man, you do a great job, man. I'm glad you got a chance to catch in tonight's show. Man, it's been a while, been too long. Big Tim, man, uh, how's life in Ohio? How's the family, man? Hey, man, uh, the family's great, um, you know. Uh, man, yeah, no, it, it has been a very, very long time. I don't think I've got managed to make it on since, uh, the show came back. So nope. I'm certainly, uh, I'm certainly happy to, uh, to come on. Um, but yeah, no, man, life is great. Hopefully the same for you. Um, is everything still working there? Yep. Yep. You got you, baby. Okay. You dropped okay. a little bit Glad there, but we what? got you. Since it's been a while, Tim, we got to ring the bell, man. Give us the height, weight, and where are you calling from in Ohio? A height and a weight. Uh, calling from <laughs> Greenfield, Ohio. Um, I think I weigh like 225 pounds. Look, man, fat guys don't want to hit on the scale, so I don't know the exact <laughs> number. Uh, but I'm about six one. So uh, fair enough. So we'll ring the bell. A little background. <laughs> we'll ring the bell and bring him into the arena. <laughs> All right. Yeah. We're getting it on over here, man. We just had a guy call in from Massachusetts, kind of unbeknown that we didn't we didn't know he was calling in. And, I mean, he dropped in some knowledge real quick about a guy that got in a fight over the weekend, a boxer. Of course, he's uh, I guess he's part of the uh, Don King's team over there and uh, came in, and he's undefeated, like 31, I think you said, man. But he won his big uh, match over the weekend. He got him a championship belt, man. I mean, I was thinking, man, this is pretty crazy. And then, of course, having a chance to catch up with you here tonight, uh, just kind of icing on the cake, man. But uh, let me ask you, football season is in the books. You know, I keep up with you on social media. Of course, you and I are good buddies on Facebook, and, and I watch what you do with your side there. Of course, uh, I think it's a great job. You break down a lot of X's and O's and talk about the Jimmys and Joes. Now, again, you're an Oklahoma Sooner fan, but yet you live in Ohio State, so you got to be entertained by the Buckeyes on a regular basis, which this year for the Buckeyes not a bad idea. You're, you know, your, your Sooners I didn't think did bad. You know, maybe not be what you guys wanted, but let me ask you your opinion as a Gamecock. Now, of course, we got we picked up Shane Beamer. Now, Shane has been with us before. And, again, real talk here, your thoughts on Shane Beamer coming to South Carolina, man. You think it's a it's a good move for the Gamecocks, good move for Shane Beamer? I mean, what was what's Oklahoma's opinion of Shane Beamer before he left and come to the, the Gamecocks? So, as you guys know, there was a lot of rumors about Riley potentially going to the NFL. And – while there's 31 jobs that I don't think Lincoln Riley would even hesitate to turn down for the NFL job, one of them, you know, the Dallas Cowboys, uh, it, it was a job that, from my understanding, he at least talked about before turning down to Jerry Jones, before Jerry Jones ended up hiring Mike McCarthy. Here's what Oklahoma and Joe Castiglione think of Shane Beamer. Um, they believe that Shane Beamer is a super talent. And he was kind of that guy who was the fallback plan if, for whatever reason, Lincoln Riley, though it was unlikely, that's the guy Oklahoma would have hired. Uh, and, and I could say that with a 1,000% certainty. 
Um, so Shane Beamer is Shane Beamer is a guy who has a lot of respect in all of the coaching circles. I'll be honest, I was a little surprised that he took the South Carolina job. Now, I understand that there's history there. He was there when Spurrier was, and I think that that plays a huge factor here because um, Beamer was one of the top assistants in all of football. Um, Swiss Army knife, defensive player who has a great offensive mind, uh, Beamer ball brand on the special team side. Um, so he really had a great understanding of all three sides coached tight ends and helped Lincoln Riley with offensive game plans while he was at Oklahoma. Um, yeah, I, I think it, it's an out of the park, uh, home run hire for South Carolina. Um, I think it's a much better hire than the Will Muschamp hire was a couple years ago. Uh, uh, I mean, I, I think that goes without saying now, but I mean, in retrospect, people thought it was a good hire then. I think this is a, this is a home run. I, I, I think. It might take a few years for them to get up to competing in the SEC East, but I don't think that they could have gotten a better fit for what they need to do there because it is a total rebuild in, in uh, Columbia. Yeah, definitely. I'm going to ask you this, though, because you follow the recruiting with Oklahoma. Now, when he was at South Carolina before, again, you know, his dad, by the way, coached at the Citadel. He was born here in Charleston where we're at when as, as a – and lived here for, for a small time, of course, but then, you know, was able to get back here. And, and he told his wife for him to come back to Columbia, they have to leave right now. Of course, he left. He took a few other jobs and planted it back in South Carolina. And, and, of course, Eugene and myself, you know, we started speaking this out before it even became a conversation. I said, hey, look, that's the guy I want. I want Shane Beamer. He's my age. He's in his early 40s. He'll be around for a long time. He's a guy that we can kind of, uh, you know, have for, for a long time and not to worry about – five-year plans after five-year plans as long as we can keep him. And I feel like this is a, a destination job for a guy like Shane Beamer. But his ability to connect with the athletes, Tim, talk about that when it comes to Oklahoma and, and the things that he was able to do there that able to go into the state of Texas and take away some of the better athletes from Texas, from Texas A&M, who probably are at this point the best team in Texas football right now. I would actually – I still think the Longhorns – are better than A&M. I'd be glad oh. to talk about that after this. Um, Definitely. I think A&M is – anyway. Shane Beamer, um, first of all, one of the things that he did at Oklahoma is he would recruit on the East Coast mostly. Um, Oklahoma had their Texas guys, of course. Um, I think that goes without saying. Um, and so he didn't do a lot in Texas. He did some, but he mostly was an East Coast guy. He got a lot of guys from that North Carolina, uh, Virginia – uh, Maryland area stuff like that whole like middle section of the coast uh, and in Georgia he was instrumental originally Oklahoma had landed Brock Vandegrift um, he was then instrumental in getting Caleb Williams um, and so he actually you know because of the way he positioned on the team he was able to really recruit a couple of different guys um, down there uh, but here, here's the kind of impact that Shane Beamer has uh, on players you know at a place like Oklahoma though there hasn't been a lot recently, a staff turnover is not rare. And guys have, you know, under Lincoln Riley left and gone on to get better jobs. And, of course, several times, you know, under Bob Stoops. And you just don't see the emotional connection uh, the way it does. And, first of all, Beamer is a guy who can connect both emotionally and he's relatable. Um, I mean, you guys remember, I don't know if you guys saw it a couple of years ago, uh, he actually headbutted uh, 
one of the Oklahoma players, Jeremiah Hall, and uh, bloodied up his face. He just headbutted him with him where, when the player was wearing the helmet. Uh, and obviously he wasn't wearing a helmet. <laughs> and so that was kind of funny. Uh, but uh, looking at what Austin Sogner had to say after he, he was gone, Jeremiah Hall, so many other guys, they're like, this is a real one, tough. And Coach Beamer, from what he told Oklahoma side was, South Carolina and maybe a handful of other jobs he would have left for, he would have stayed at Oklahoma had a job like this not come open for him. Because, like you mentioned, uh, it's really his hometown team. Uh, And, you know, he worked on the staff there under Spurrier. I I think he definitely feels like South Carolina is home. And I think that played a massive role in the reason why he decided to even leave in the first place. Hang on, our big guy, Tim, of course, who covers the Oklahoma Sooners. He covers the Big 12 in the past. First here on Southern Sports Sense. We're going to get him back in the fold, by the way, as his seat is, uh, is still sitting here at the table as we welcome him back home to the show here. But, you know, let's talk some other football. Uh, and I appreciate the insight on Shane Beamer. And, again, Eugene and I are definitely on board with everything you just said. So thank you for echoing what we have said since the day they brought him back home to the state of South Carolina. Now, yeah, and the it's Big not a conspiracy 12. either because, he, you right. know, you asked me that just now. So, no conspiracy. So, if I, he said yeah. the same stuff, that's pretty cool. <laughs> that is pretty neat. Now, let me ask you, the Big 12, uh, you know, how far is the Big 12 from the rest of the conferences around? I mean, we know the PACs, they had their issues with COVID. Uh, the Big 10 did what they needed to do to get Ohio State inside this uh, final two, the, the championship game, which it worked out. I mean, evidently they're they're pretty good with only playing six games because they manhandled the Clemson Tigers. <laughs> but but what about the the Big Twelve, man? How, how far is this gap from them in the SEC or even them in the ACC right now, or them in the Big Ten? I don't think that there's a gap at all. Um, I think that the gap from four from I think the AC twelve are the conferences that have the gap from the other three. Um, the Big 12 was one of the best conferences in college football this year, and I would argue the best, even better than the SEC was this year. Uh, 2020 was a weird year, so that certainly plays a role in that. But just based on what they did in both seasons, uh, they defeated four ranked opponents. Uh, the fifth opponent that they defeated was a 9-2 and Army team on a week's preparation, and that was you know West Virginia. Um, they won – their games by an average of 19 points per game um, over that stretch. I mean, the Big 12 had one of the most historically dominant bowl seasons in the history of college football. I'm not sure that many people were aware of that, but yeah, that margin of victory is fifth best all time. Um, And the Big 12 has done it a lot on the defensive side. The Big 12 was number one in scoring defense and and number two in total defense and yardage. Um, in all of college football this year. Um, and so on the defensive side, they've improved. Um, coaching's never been an issue in this conference. Um, and, you know, coaching just continues to get a little bit better. Um, I think the Big 12, there's, there's really no gap. I, I thought at the end of the year, the way Oklahoma was playing, that they could have played with anybody, uh, save maybe Alabama. Alabama was on, a level, on another level than everybody else. Um, but I think Oklahoma would have beaten Clemson this year, and, and I, I think that they would have gone toe-to-toe with Ohio State. So uh, I don't think there's a big gap. I think that there's a perception gap, which could be even more dangerous. Um, I think the perception gap is dangerous, though. Uh, certainly it doesn't help that Oklahoma has uh, struck out four times in the college football playoffs. 
uh, that's not helpful. Um, Texas is not an elite program right now. That's not helpful. And, you know, the last three losses for the for Oklahoma in the college football playoffs were to SEC teams. So I can certainly see that uh, being an issue. But for a, for a conference to be inferior, I would say you would need it to be the middle to down is just really bad, like really awful. Like Oklahoma still, if they were in the SEC, would be the second best program, right? It'd be the best program in the Pac-12, at least second best in the ACC. And, you know, going off of the recent home-and-home home series, they'd be coin flipping with Ohio State every other year. So uh, I, I certainly, uh, looking at Oklahoma as the top dog, if you want to argue that they're the lowest of the, of the rung of the top dogs, then, you know, I, I can definitely understand and respect that argument. Um, but in terms of the middle down, I mean, TCU is usually pretty good every few years. Oklahoma State's normally pretty good. Uh, Baylor's up and down, you know, because of their issues that they've had and turnover at coach. Um, Texas seems to be getting better. Iowa State is really freaking good right now under Matt Campbell. Um, And so I I really don't see there being a massive issue for the Big 12. And and I certainly think that any any team save Kansas, (laughs) uh, maybe Texas Tech, uh, you know, could perform well in other conferences. I actually think having the 10 game, uh, the 10 the 10 team conference with nine conference games actually really hurts the big 12 uh, because, you know, a team like TCU is going to have to play Oklahoma, Oklahoma state, Texas, you know, there's no escaping. There's no, well, at least I got Vanderbilt this week and Missouri this week and I didn't have to play, you know, Georgia because they weren't on my schedule this year, you know, in the SEC West, you see that with a team like Texas A&M. Um, so I don't think would have performed very well in the big 12 this year, to be honest with you. Now, how much do you see, and let me ask you this, by the way, Ohio State, Iowa State, State excuse me, Iowa State, a, a team I thought, what a, what a year they had this past year along with Oklahoma. Now, let me ask you, do you see the, the powers that be, like you see in other states like South Carolina, Clemson, it's, it, it's almost total chaos when these two teams don't play each other like you saw this past year. But Texas A&M and Texas, you know, for me, legislation or, or whatever it may be, this game needs to happen. I, I, I hate to not see it happen. There are just certain traditional games that you want to see, like you guys play Texas. You know, I, I just feel like there, there's, there's got to be somewhere, some, some type of coaching coming in there. Hopefully the new coach over there now is, is going to push to play A&M for recruiting purposes, for TV revenue, for many things within the confines of, of the state of Texas. Do you think, Tim, that this is something that's going to happen now that Texas has another new head coach? Absolutely not, um, because the issue is mostly on the A&M side in this issue. Um, A&M doesn't want to play Texas. Um, they just don't. They haven't in a long time. They've uh, they've denied bids to the Texas Bowl and had to get reshuffled several times to avoid Texas or Texas Tech um, when bowl season comes out. A&M doesn't want to play Texas. Um, they have hard feelings towards Texas. Um, it would be nice if they'd play. Uh, certainly there's some other games. I would love to have Oklahoma and Nebraska back permanently. It, right. it does come back this year um, for a two-game stretch or for a two-year stretch. But, yeah, you know, it, it's a dog on shame, you know, <laughs> to, to have some great rivalries uh, just not happen. Um, you know, but it eventually will happen, man. I mean, the Iron Bowl wasn't played for 40 years. Eventually these teams will come up and they'll play each other and perhaps even a, re- a realignment of conferences will change things up. But obviously, Texas A&M has a bit of that little brother syndrome, and 
Texas has that a little bit of that elitist big brother syndrome. And those personalities don't mix very well. Um, and over the years, Texas has reached out and wanted to play. Texas A&M has. Um, and at the end of the day, I don't think that changes anytime soon. Now, do I think it will eventually? Yes. This staff, though, this setup, I don't know. I, I, maybe this is a question we revisit in five years, <laughs> you know, and then maybe another five years after that. I just don't know if the hard feelings go away anytime soon. Texas A&M didn't leave the Big 12 for money. The Big 12 was fine. They left the Big 12 because their relationship with Texas stunk. Same thing with Nebraska. And so, ultimately, uh, I, don't, I don't think that changes soon. All right, the final question, Tim, before I turn you back over to the fam, dude. And, again, thank you uh, for, for reaching out here tonight and hanging out with us for a few minutes as we get you back acclimated to the show here because this is something that I want to get you on a regular schedule, talking Big 12 with us. Because I think it's, it's, it's a conversation because we have so many different factories and, 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 and opportunities here in, in just in Charleston along with, of course, Boeing and Mercedes and Volvo. There's so much that move around the country that come here to our area that have some ties to a lot of those teams. And, of course, you're in Ohio, so you can talk Big Ten a lot of times with me as well. But what is there a chance? Is there a chance that South Carolina sizes up against Oklahoma in a home-and-home series and Eugene, of course, uh, producing the show here tonight on the other side of the glass. Uh, Lincoln, of course, started over at East Carolina, so he has some ties, too, to this side of the world. But could you see that, that, that connection between Oklahoma and South Carolina possibly in the future? Well, absolutely. Um, you know, you look at Oklahoma, and they always tend to try to challenge themselves in the non-conference and play, uh, and play an out-of-conference series. Um, you know, I haven't heard any rumbling you know, of a, of a South Carolina, Oklahoma series, but I know Oklahoma's booked to like 2036 right now. So I don't know that it would be soon, but I can definitely see them getting South Carolina in the schedule, especially if South Carolina, you know, and Shane Beamer is able to turn that program around, which I think there's a fair chance that, you know, given that he's given the right amount of time that that'll happen. So, um, I mean, at the end of the day, yeah, I, I could definitely see it happening. I don't know about soon. Um, but who knows? Maybe LSU cancels again, and we have to find somebody. Well, you never know, buddy. I've always appreciated it. And, again, we look forward to getting you back in here with us, Tim. Man, again, uh, good to hear from you. Great way for us to start 2021 as we get you in here on the first day of February, buddy. Keep doing what you're doing on Facebook. I'll catch up with you off the air. And uh, let's see if we can't pencil in some time and some dates and make this a, become a traditional thing every week and uh, kind of figure out what time best fits you, buddy. All right, man. Well, yeah, we'll we'll talk for sure. All right, buddy. God bless. Take care. Enjoy the rest of your night, Tim. Hey, you too. Bye-bye. All right. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. Eugene, i bring you back in as we've got about 15 minutes left here of the show. How about that one? Not only do we get a guy from Massachusetts call in, Big Tim's out there in, in the state of Ohio, in, in, in Oklahoma, Sooner, lost in the state of Ohio, and uh, listening to Southern Sports Central, as uh, we appreciate your support there, Tim. And, uh, again, a lot of great facts there, man. And, again, you know, you pull up the, the, the things there. And, and again, I, I, I respect everybody's opinions on things. And this is a guy that looks at the X's and O's as much as anybody I've ever met. And, and if you know that, you know, everybody we have on our show, they, they do a really good job of dialing it up and being realistic on things. And I agree. I, I think that there is a realistic part that Texas A&M doesn't want anything to do with Texas. Number one, their feelings are hurt because of the big, you know, that big Texas contract with the TV that didn't go so well. 
But then there's always been that, that little brother syndrome that they just can never seem to get out of. But I think A&M, from what I saw this past year, and again, I would go toe-to-toe with Tim and a lot of people thinking that, you know, Nick Saban got what he wanted a few years ago when he said that he would rather just play an SEC schedule. And he did it this year, and he went undefeated. And they, they beat A&M pretty good, by the way. And I don't know if they beat A&M in the same fashion had A&M made the playoffs. Because I think that was the little different team A&M had towards the end of the season. But I would still like to think that A&M's this past year was better than Texas and, and would have held their own in the Big 12. Your thoughts? Yeah, you know, and, and the the Big 12 was such a weird – you know, it's such an anomaly this year. You know, you had teams like Oklahoma, and then they were dropping these, like, games early in the season. And you're like, what's going on? You know, with Spencer Rattler – you know, the quarterback would throw for 550 yards one game and look like, wow, man, this is the kid that finally showed up from the QB1 show, uh, and, and then they would lose. Now, Iowa State was a good team. Iowa State had a good defense. But then you're looking at Oklahoma, and you're like, how did you lose some of these other games, man? Uh, Texas is Texas, and the coach got fired. That's a whole other story. Uh, Oklahoma State, we you know, had a great running back, had a chance to make a move in, in, in the conference this year. They had some, uh, we'll call it social issues with the coach wearing a shirt that caused upheaval in the program, you know, and, and they always seem to score a bunch of points. They always seem to do well, but they always seem to, they can't beat Oklahoma. They trip up against Texas. I like their coach. You know, I, I, he, he's developed great offensive players. He just had not had the defense. To me, the the team next year in the Big 12 is going to be, again, uh, Iowa State. And it's just weird to say that. But, you know, they always seem to have that pesky defense. They, they have great special teams this year. They had a great offense. You know, when people are looking at their head coaching, you know, this guy's going to be, you know, the next big thing. He's going to get a big job. But he seems happy there. You know, West Virginia, when they had Will Greer at quarterback, they beat Texas. You know, they took Oklahoma to those. 65-60 type games. You know, West Virginia, you know, the coach takes the job at Houston. They hire the coach uh, uh, from, um, where did he come from, uh, Troy. Uh, and and mm-hmm. this year, you know, they kind of take a took a step back. Um, but, you know, the Big 12 is just, it, it's an enigma. Uh, you get a team that scores 70 points one week. Uh, look at the year that uh, Florida played. Uh, Oklahoma in the, in the national championship. I believe that was around 2009 or so. Um, and Oklahoma came into the game averaging 62 points a game. Well, there was a big defensive end that you know pretty well. You know his father right here from uh, North Charleston from Fort Dorchester who just destroyed that game. And I believe he was the co-MVP of that game in the national championship. You know, that high-powered offense that scored 62 a game scored 12 points that game. You know, uh, Mr. Dunlap was, was in the backfield every play. Uh, and, and that's the thing is that the Big 12, and I know he cited the statistics and how they were great on defense. You know, the defense doesn't typically show up when they play out of conference. You know, I remember the games with Oklahoma beating Texas, you know, 52 to 10 and stuff like that. But when they played the Floridas, when they played the Clemsons, when they played the Alabamas, they're getting blown out. Their, their offense doesn't perform. Their defense gives up a ton of points. And so what I think Oklahoma and the, what I think the Big 12 has to do 
is they have to win when they finally get to the uh, to the uh, bowl championship series, the playoffs. They've got to show up. We can say, oh, I think they would beat Clemson this year, or I think they could beat this one. You know, well, a couple of years ago, when they had you know a Heisman quarterback, when they had a top running back who went who's in the NFL doing big things, and they had all these great players in the offensive line, defensive line. You know, Clemson beat the tar out of them. And so what I think the Big 12 has got to do is they can do whatever they want in the regular season. When they get a team in that final four, they've got to win a game, and that's the thing. They haven't won a single game, to my recollection, in that final four in the playoff. That's where the Big 12 has to show up and actually perform. Same thing as the Pac-12. The Pac-12, once we've gone to this you know, uh, current playoff system, They've had, uh, I know Washington was in it one year. Alabama beat the tour out of them. I think that's the only one that I know of that's qualified. You know, now Ohio State, they've actually won a national title. Well, Oregon, Oregon did win one game, and then Oregon went on to lose in, in the national championship to Ohio State. So Ohio State has won uh, and, and won a national title. They did win this year by beating Clemson. Uh, Oregon did make it to the national championship game in the playoff format. They did lose that year. You know, that was the year Ezekiel Elliott and Ohio State was just, they, they were great. They beat Toronto Alabama. But overall, the Big 12 just hasn't performed in the playoff. And that's what everybody, that's the measuring stick. That's the dipstick that checks the oil to see where you're really at. And that's where they're not showing up for the Big 12. They're not showing up to the playoffs and they're not winning. And, Honestly, uh, from what I recall, there was a, a little close game one time with Oklahoma. But other than that, they're just getting blown out. Um, the best showing has been when Texas beat Georgia, what, two or three years ago in the Peach Bowl. And, and that's kind of been the best bowl game showing for the Big 12. And if I recall correctly, uh, Georgia had a bunch of dudes that kind of sat out because they were getting ready for the draft. There was a couple of receivers and whatnot. Uh, who just didn't play in that game. And, and so, you know, that's where you have to show, that's where you have to put on, that's where you put your stamp as the, you know, we're here, we're not on the come up because we're here and they're just not doing it. And I think that's, you know, that's going to be the measuring stick going forward for the Big 12 because unlike the Pac-12, the Big 12 seems to keep sneaking a team into the uh, playoff, but once they get there, they're just not making a very good showing. Yeah, I agree with you, and and, and that's the thing, we'll, you know. And and I said this to, to with all due respect to everybody that finished, I thought inside the top twenty-five, it was a different season. It, you know, teams were starting and and stopping and stopping and starting, and you know, you even saw the the Buckeyes of Ohio State find a way into the playoffs, which found them way into the national championship, which I don't think anybody really would have beaten Alabama. I think this was without a doubt, you know, Nick Saban's, you know, uh, best best showing in all the championships. He's got a ton of them, but I thought this one was one of his, his best on course that he'd had in many years. So you, you wait to see what he does next year as he's signing a, an incredible class, which by the way, Wednesday will be our national signing day special. Hopefully we'll be able to get a lot of young men and there's a few women. If they sign on the line on Wednesday, we'll try to line them up with it here on the show coming up uh, on Wednesdays. Again, we'll talk some more basketball, high school basketball going underway. I'm going to try to catch up with uh, the coach from, uh, of course, uh, right down the road from the studio on the other side of Somerville, of course, is Ashley Ridge High School. 
And I'm going to try to check in with uh, Coach Capers over there and, and get him to do an interview, and then we'll play it back on the ear, uh, you know, as I'm able to catch up, catch up with him. But, Eugene, you know, there's so many things that, that hit us that we, 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 we wrap ourselves up with when it's happening, and then years later we, we kind of – we kind of miss it, but for me, you know, and I'm looking at social media here earlier today, and I believe it was, what, 18 years ago today that the Columbia uh, Space Shuttle you know, paid the ultimate sacrifice when the Space Shuttle was lost upon entry. You know, they're uh, patriots in the truest sense of the word to honor their legacy. You know, we, we can't forget, mem- you know, this, of course, what was it, I believe, and I think if my number stands correct, it's seven of uh, these amazing individuals who, who lost their life to, uh, you know, something very tragic, you know, in a day that, of course, uh, you know, there's, there's just moments you remember. And I remember 18 years ago where I was, you know, when this thing, you know, uh, just basically, you know, took out, you know, seven scientists, I guess is what they are, correct, Eugene, as uh, they, they, they go out and, and they risk their lives. And I don't think people realize how, how big a deal, you know, how, how much of a sacrifice and how much of, you know, there's not a guarantee that they come back when they go up into space to do things that, that quite frankly, you know, is, is something that we never thought would ever happen at some point, you know. Yeah, and I believe uh, going back to uh, Sally Ride, the school teacher, was, and, yep. and Ronald McNair, there were actually two connections on that uh, on the Space Shuttle Challenger to the state of South Carolina. Uh, especially Ronald McNair, of course. Um, you know, I remember watching it, man. To this day, it's just one of those events in life. Uh, my son and I were talking. Uh, you and I were both at Carolina when 9-11 occurred. And my son and I were talking the other day, and I said, dude, it's just one of those lifetime things where I remember I was in the business school library at the old um, business school there at Carolina back when it was on campus by by the big uh, dorm with the spinning restaurant on top. And so I was downstairs, and I was in the library checking email, and someone walked in, a buddy of mine. I was president of the marketing association. Sergio walks in, and he goes, man, uh, an airplane just uh, flew into the trade center. And I was like, whoa. And they you know, had TVs up, and we pulled it up, and we actually watched live the second plane hit just because you know the first plane at that time was considered like an accident. Like it was a plane crash, like something faulty. We had no idea it was a terrorist attack. So you remember that. But I remember the Challenger because in school and and in life and in, as kids back then, when the space shuttle took off, it was a national event, man. Everybody's glued to a TV. Much like back in the 40s or back in the 50s when people used to sit around the radio and listen to the World Series sure. being broadcast. And so I remember seeing that, and I remember watching the the smoke and, and the and, you know the space shuttle Challenger taking off, and then you could see it, and I'll never forget, you could see it almost peel back like a banana into a cloud of smoke, mm-hmm. and then you could yeah. see those pieces kind of stick out like arms that came down with smoke, and it looked like big fireworks. You'll never forget those things, man. It's so impactful. And I, because what sparked it was the conversation I was having with my son was, you know, some of the events of today. Like we also remember the L.A. riots in 1992 with Rodney King. We remember the O.J. trial. They are remembering because of Corona and COVID. They weren't in school, so they are now remembering all the riots and cities being under siege this past May as major events in their life, like we were as kids. 
And so that's what okay. sparked the conversation. So we were talking about the challenger, you know, like I said, we were talking about the OJ trial. I was like, man, it was a big deal. I was like, TVs were on at school when you're in high school and people were checking in the OJ. I said, that was before everybody having smartphones and internet where you could like pop in videos and TikTok. There was none of that, that everything was either radio or TV buddy. And it was like very like cable TV only had like 30 channels, man. If you lived out in the country, you might have had a satellite TV that had 100 channels, and sometimes then, you know, there was things that were scrambled. You'd stay up late at night, and uh, when your grandma went to bed and you and your cousins would try to watch uh, <laughs> certain things through the scrambled channel. <laughs> and uh, so we got a big kick out of that today. As you know, we had to go um, for that final exam, uh, and it didn't – the doctor couldn't do a whole lot with his hand today, so he's got to see a hand surgeon, but – you know, so you have these conversations with your kids, and, you know, as you know, he calls you his, his uncle, and uh, sure. so we're sitting there just kind of bull joking a little bit today, and um, it was good catch-up, but it's funny you brought that up because that was similar, similar conversations we're having, you know, waiting on the doctor to look at those x-rays of his hand. Right. I mean, there's so many things that we think about, of course, you know, you, you, you miss those, you know, the, 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 the hit that it gets you, you know, uh, you know, we, we, We've lost so many people to COVID. You know, we've lost other people to other situations. Eugene and I, of course, lost a good friend of ours, a former guy who coached, but was also a brother of ours uh, this past year. And it seems so far ago, to be quite honest with you, but it really hasn't been that long. And again, 18 years ago today, you know, uh, you know, the, the, the space shuttle course with two connections to the state of South Carolina, you know, uh, you know, went up but never came down, at least uh, not the way that we wanted it to. And our thoughts and prayers are continuing to be with the families because to them, you know, and, and, and grandchildren and family members, you know, this is something that's very close. Or even those who worked on the space shuttle, those who worked at the spaceship, you know, there's so many different things that I think we, we just need to sometimes we get so busy that we, that we don't slow down enough and take a deep breath, look around and, and, and share a smile and, and, and just check on people. And the final thing I'm going to say is this, as we're coming up to the end of the show, guys, and, and again, we talked a lot of sports, but I want to encourage you guys. There's all these challenges out there, you know, you then, you now, you this, you that. But why don't you challenge you to be a better person today than you were yesterday? I think that's the easiest challenge that you can do. You don't have to post it on Facebook. You don't have to put your business on TikTok and, you know, all these other avenues of social media. But, you know, continue to be a better person and make sure you're checking on people, people around the world and around the country, your connection, your lifelines. Because suicide rate is continuing to get higher and higher as we talk about COVID. You know, a lot of people have lost jobs. They've lost a lot of money. There's a lot of things that have been affected. And all I can do is ask you to check on your loved ones. So that'll do it here for tonight. On behalf of myself, uh, Richie Altman, this is, uh, of course, another great broadcast brought to you by Southern Sports Central. Eugene, great job producing. Don't forget, tomorrow night, you'll be able to hear Everett Sands. Of course, he has the West Foundation Sports Show kicking off tomorrow night at 6 o'clock. Rolling till nine. Five solid guests. We'll tweet it out. We'll post it out on our Twitter account at SO Sports Central and on Facebook. Eugene, great job tonight, buddy. 30 seconds. Oh, man. I just uh, I appreciate everything you do, buddy. Uh, it's a heck of a platform, man. It's been a great show. Been a very, uh, again, a diverse coaches, man, uh, and also uh, uh, guests joining us from players to, to guests around. Pretty cool, man. We hit Delaware, Massachusetts, Ohio. Uh, Kansas, uh, Alabama, you name it, uh, we're there. It's growing, and I'm very proud uh, to be a part of it. Love you.